genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Uh, today, we are continuing our miniseries on Twilight with the 2009 second chapter of the Twilight Saga, New Moon. And we have a guest joining us to talk about heartbreak, green screens, and the pre-Raphaelites. It's Nina Kiparos Howard. Thanks for being on the show, Nina. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited to have any platform to discuss Twilight. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we like to start off with asking our guests like what their personal relationship with the franchise is. So what, what, what's your history with Twilight? So in about eighth grade, maybe uh, my friend, you know, heard about this book called Twilight. Um, I think I devoured them maybe in like a week. Um, however many there were out at the time. Um, I think it might have been just up until Eclipse. Um, and I was obsessed with these books until the movie came out um, and like saw every movie at midnight or as close to midnight as my parents would allow me because they just thought that was ridiculous. Like we made T-shirts, I think, like I, I made like homemade puffy paint T-shirts that was like team edward you know and <laughs> um and i think i we had one at one point that was like bite me and or mm -hmm. i think at some point it developed like no team edward i'm team emmett because he's funny so um <laughs> i think i bought like every possible piece of merch i could at the store um and i know i still have some of it back at my parents house so um i was a pretty big fan so so I, I was going to ask, I think this is going to be something that I want to ask every guest going forward. Um, do you have a favorite side character in the song? Um, definitely Emmett, I, I would have to say, because he is kind of he's like the himbo of the series. So um, mm -hmm. you don't see much of that in the early films. Um, later on, they were like, oh, yeah, like we should use this um, to bring some comedy in. So like you see him his personality kind of come out in Eclipse onward. But um, in the books, he's like very funny. Mm -hmm. He gets like standout moments in the first two. Like, yeah. You get Italian like enough. He's, he's like waving with the knife. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> 
so yeah, I, I, it's something that I've kind of noticed is that like these side characters are really, it's almost like kind of like the X-Men where people can have like a favorite that doesn't get enough love mm-hmm. in the saga. Totally. Um, so, so do you, do you remember like the specific circumstances when you saw New Moon when it came out? I remember New Moon was a lot of controversy because Twilight had come out and they had tried to be as close to the book as possible. And um, Catherine Hardwick, the director, um, was sort of a fan favorite for giving that love and attention to the first film. And um, there was also sort of like the people were passionate not so much me because I like I didn't really know much about the film industry as a kid. Like I I knew I liked movies, and um, I would watch a lot of behind the scenes features and stuff. But like you know, just kind of vague, a very very pedestrian look at how movies are made. And now from the like now that I've worked in the industry a little bit, I'm like, oh okay, I see why these decisions are made. But New Moon was very controversial because it was a bigger budget. And a different director. And we didn't know, we, me speaking as the fan base, didn't know what was going to happen. We knew, we were hoping that New Moon would be taken care of as lovingly as Catherine Hardwick had taken care of it, but like didn't really know what that was going to mean. So I'm pretty sure I saw it opening night. I remember more of the later ones because I think I must have been like a a freshman or sophomore in high school when this came out. So it's been a minute, but um, I definitely saw all of these opening weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the listeners will remember that Scott actually watched the first three of these in one night at like a Cinemark event. Yeah. Like a, (laughs) like, like an eclipse midnight screening. Uh, My, my girlfriend at the time took me to see all of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, so this one was right in the middle and weirdly, I remember leaving that screening being like, I think new moon was my favorite one of the three. <laughs> um, do you, so, you remember any having like, cause you know, a marathon movie, your brain becomes like a brownie by the end of it. But like, true. Do you remember any, like, I like this one more for some reason, like moments? Yeah. I, well, I think what I like so much about this one is like, to me, it was the one that, was sort of embracing what I think Twilight wants to be, which is a very extra, very emo, very like high strung teen thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, it's like, yeah, this is going to be a, a, a movie where like, <laughs> where like the, te- the two teens who love each other are going to compare themselves to Romeo and Juliet the whole time. And they're both going to want to kill themselves and basically have competitions to see who can kill themselves first over the other one. Like that's the plot of this movie, essentially. <laughs> and, it really and is. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of love it about that. Like, whereas, it's like break like, up I, jackass. Yeah. Whereas like, I feel like Eclipse started to like try to take itself a little bit more seriously than the other ones and be like, no, we're a legitimate vampire franchise. And it's like, you could just be a legitimate twilight franchise. Like that's okay. Like, and this one, I feel like embraces everything about twilight, the campiness, the silliness, the like overwrought emotionality. And like all of that just sort of comes to a boiling point in this one. Whereas I think twilight is, is very good, but is still trying to like get its bearings in terms of like tone and things like this. I think this one just absolutely nails it. I'll be curious to see how I feel about 
um, Breaking Dawn when we get to it. Because famously, I have not seen those yet. So, oh my gosh. See, I that's don't know. so funny. Like, I totally agree with Eclipse. Like, it, it takes itself a little seriously. And again, you have to understand the tone of the moment, which was people's aversion to Twilight. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It is now, I like, popular to like Twilight again. Ironically, of course. You're like, ee-hee-hee, I was a big fan. And there's been a whole right. TikTok movement and stuff. And people the watched memes. it over the memes and quarantine. This you know, has the famous Bella, where, you know, where have you been, Loka, which is some of the mm. best script writing. Um, but yeah, Breaking Dawn kind of takes it back to that moment of like, oh, y- you know, we're a legitimate vampire franchise, but also we're Twilight and the vampires sparkle. Um, yeah. So yeah, I- I'm excited for you guys to watch and discuss Breaking Dawn because um, while I do love New Moon and like watching it again um, in preparation, I was like, oh, uh, this is definitely up there, um, like Twilight, and then Breaking Dawn Part Two are probably like the top for me. It's yeah. I'm, I'm I agree with you. yeah. Like the first one is such a singular animal and is mm-hmm. so weird and awkward. Um, but yeah, I like a lot of what Chris White does in this. So real quick, this was the first Twilight movie that I saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. I uh, I watched Twilight on DVD at home after the the fact, and I was like, oh man. I think I'm into this. And so I saw this with my friends, Hunter and Emily, and um, it became like a, that birthed the tradition where we tried to see all of them together. Um, And I remember like, yeah, like laughing a lot at unintentional stuff that we'll talk about. Um, But also I'm just, I'm always so engaged in how zero to 60 this one gets. Uh huh. So uh, to get into a little bit of history. So Breaking Dawn was published in August of 2008. So like a couple of months before the movie. And so it just created this like perfect pop culture storm where fans were reading the last book and getting hyped for the first movie. And everyone was like, what's Twilight? What is this? Uh, Producer Wick Godfrey noted that like every month the movie would track higher and higher and higher until it finally reached this fever pitch when it came out in November 2008 and went on to gross $380 million. On what and the budget was very low, right? So yeah. low. I think it was like forty-five. But for comparison's sake, there's this. Uh, I, I think I shared this last week, but there's a Daily Beast article uh, published in 2018 that interviewed Catherine Hardwick ten years after the fact of Twilight, uh, where she recalls a producer at Summit telling her, "Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants was a popular book for girls, just like this. It made thirty-five million. So that's what we're going to give you for Twilight." Uh, so yeah, the budget was anywhere between thirty-five to forty million, and went on to gross like almost four hundred million dollars. And so Hardwick recalled that the the low stakes and the lack of kind of like this is just whatever it's a like a adaptation of a YA book, um, kind of gave her a lot of freedom. She could do things like shoot at real locations and do a lot of pre-production and cast mostly unknowns. And like kind of create what members of the crew likened to like an indie or like grad film school vibe on the first movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But that all changed when the movie became a huge hit. Um, Suddenly Twilight became a a franchise, a machine. And uh, New Moon was greenlit the first business day after Twilight of of coming out in 2009. And so they, uh, Stephanie Meyer, not Stephanie Meyer, Catherine Hardick was like, hey, I can't make a movie that fast. Like. November 2009, I want to do pre-production and I want to do all this location scouting because like the book, they go to Italy and all this stuff. And um, 
that bucked against this new timeline. Twilight was like the pride of the fleet now at Summit Entertainment. So they were like, no, we need this. We need like, we're shooting this in Vancouver because there's an infrastructure. There's like sets and and like green and like green screen warehouses and stunt people. We need to shoot this like a TV series. And Catherine Hardwick was like, that's not who I am. And they're like, well, you're, we don't need you. <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate. You know, she compared her, uh, place in her career to like X-Men. Here she is. She directed 13, which was an Oscar nominated indie feature. She directed Lords of Dogtown, a critically acclaimed movie. And then she makes this massive, huge blockbuster on a small budget. And she was like, I just have a feeling that like, she was like, okay, she was waiting for the calls to come in because like, this is normally what happens right to other directors after they direct a big, huge hit. But like, she didn't receive the same, uh, treatment that maybe like a male auteur in her same position would yeah it honestly and like that was very much part of the fan base like they were aware of that because the the thing to know about that time as well and i only say this for people who just weren't really as active on the internet at that time as i was um but there was like stephanie meyer very actively posted on her website about the series and about the casting and about how the movie was going um catherine hardwick was very vocal i think on early twitter about how it was going and, and the talks and like the fan base was was actively knowing what what their feelings were and it, it definitely was a thing of here was somebody who treated the series with care and created something out of nothing because they basically took a chance and i say that in quotations on this woman director for this girly film and it was like well you know, she did a good job, but, and they basically gave her no budget, as we know, um, a mere 45 million, which actually really doesn't go that far. And then turned around and said, we don't need you for the second film and like tripled the budget. And, and as they should have, like looking back on it now, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Cause there's a, a ton of CGI and stunts. Um, but at the time it was like, wow, what a spit in the face of somebody who really took this project to their heart and thought about the characters. Yeah, the characters, the fan base, the the text, you know, she she Hardwick gave a lot of heart to this. What like not a lot of the upper people took a project that they took very seriously. Mm-hmm. She even she released a book later on that I bought um, as a kid, as a teenager, which was basically her director notebook. It's literally like a scrapbook of all of her notes and sketches and ideas that went into the first film and they published it. And it, it was really fascinating. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I just, um, you know, I think that all of this is extremely unfortunate. Um, however, the, the, the one thing that I'll say is, if if the the beginning of the the um the fallout of their rela- of the relationship breakdown happening between Hardwick and Summit comes down to we want this movie out same time next year and her saying I can't do that and them saying we'll find someone who can and then this is the movie that results is is there a version of New Moon the movie that directed by Catherine Hardwick is so much better than the version that we got that it would have been worth waiting an extra year to have her direct it. That's the question that I'm asking myself. And that's not to say that, like, you know, 
I love her directing Twilight, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like we got to get five movies out in five years or they're going to be too old to play these characters and too famous and like that was the thing is like these they literally like they catapulted and and i agree i don't think i think what they did from a business perspective was smart and and genuinely i do love new moon and i i've I've really come to have an appreciation for for chris white's because um i was re-watching the behind the scenes because i was like i haven't watched any of this in like 10 years but i remember knowing it religiously like all the behind the scenes stuff and um i'm watching it again um knowing what i know now with some perspective he really did care about new moon and i think it shows i, I really do like as cheesy as it is like i do think you see that that care and tenderness that he has um in his work uh for these characters in the moments so i I agree. It is that question of like, what if, but also I do love this movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I kind of hold those two truths and like, of like, you know, if, if Catherine Hardwick was seen in the same prism of the way we look at people like Christopher Nolan or Brian Singer of like, well, we can't do it without Catherine Hardwick. She's the reason the first movie worked. Right. Will, you know, but she was instead seen as someone that could easily be replaced with someone else. And the thing is, the thing is, I don't even think she cares so much that she was replaced so much as like she didn't get to direct another fucking movie until 2011, you know? Yeah. And I think I almost find that much more frustrating as she was like, where was my comeback project? Where was, why haven't I, like I you know can look at five other people and it's a really interesting Daily Beast article where she, she hears from people that are like, oh, we looked everywhere for a female director and she's like, I, my phone didn't ring. So yeah. There's yeah. one person he didn't ask. Yeah. It, she yeah. she kind of like low key got blacklisted for the way that she responded to the situation, which is unfair because it was a valid complaint. It's it's mm. it's absolutely valid. And and yeah, so it is wild that she basically didn't work again. She kind of took a break. And yeah. and and you know, like we see like film history is littered with like these like white film bros that throw tantrums on set and like hold themselves up in hotel rooms and getting physical altercations with actors and still get like you know rebound project after rebound project mm-hmm. and and so yeah like i can look at the circumstances around new mood and kind of see like the cold logic of it of like the spice must flow but like yeah the her lack of projects afterwards is like really frustrating extremely yeah. frustrating um, nevertheless, uh, Chris White was announced as the director of New Moon. He read the book for the first time over New Year's break uh, in like a day. He hadn't read the books, which fair enough. Dude was like in his <laughs> not mid-30s. exactly the target audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have a, he's a really interesting character. L- l- like Nina, I kind of I combed through the behind the scenes videos. Um, he has he has big Frasier energy. <laughs> He he wears that, a lot of that's what you got. <laughs> he wears a lot of scarves. He kind of <laughs> likes saying phrases in different languages. Um and uh the world of fine art had a big influence on the look of New Moon. He was like very quick to reject the like desaturated colors of Twilight and instead mm-hmm. wanted to create like uh like a lush golden brown and yellow like Renaissance painting. Mm-hmm. Um 
kind of steer to more the renaissance era than like the gothic era the twilight era. which i'm kind of into like from an artistic perspective i'm i'm i see what he did and it is interesting because this is a book with a lot of emotion and even more so it kind of explores like depression and anxiety in a way like the first book is very much like the honeymoon period so mm-hmm. um this is uh, depression anxiety it's like how much darker can you go you wouldn't be like literally the first movie is so dreary so it's like okay yeah like let's offset that with a little warmth and i and i yeah. i see what he was doing now and i'm like all right all right chris um, all right say it <laughs> say it to me in italian man Let, let's go <laughs> uh gillian bauer or bower uh director of development at summit went to a book event with stephanie meyer and she meyer was giving a speech to the readers about new moon and she described it as a, a story about heartbreak and how you can have more than one love in your life and healing after that heartbreak. And beg to yeah. differ. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, you're right. This is kind of like the breakup album because Twilight ends like a John Hughes movie. They're in the gazebo. There's lights everywhere. And this is like the cold <laughs> hit to the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this has a lot of different pe- A lot of crew people were changed. Um, the uh, Elliot Davis, the DP, was replaced by Javier Aguirre Sarobe, who really leaned into the like post Raphaelite or pre Raphaelite like texture visual palette that Weiss was working with or wanted to work with. Um, I have a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but let's start with the breakdown, Scott. Yeah, so uh, the movie starts with uh, with a bad dream. Uh, Bella has a nightmare where she thinks she sees her gram in a field, only to realize that her gram is her uh, in the future. Still dating Edward, but now she's old and decrepit and and Edward still looks beautiful and young. And so begins the plight of this movie in which uh, 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 an 18-year-old girl has a midlife crisis. (laughs) Hey. Nina, is is this dream in the book? Um, It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is definitely a recurring um, like kind of dream of hers and, and fear. And, like, she is obsessed with age, which is kind of where, like, the whole, like, downplaying her birthday thing comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Jacob even calls her out on it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And Edward. He's like, uh, (laughs) excuse me, Bella. Uh, Like, Jacob (laughs) gave you a gift and I can't give you a gift. And she's like, I mean, yeah, but, like, Jacob doesn't count. So this movie, I have to say, is very pivotal for Edward versus Jacob arguments because this this movie is the catalyst for Team Jacob fans. Like, this was their their total argument is like he takes care of her so like that that whole like love triangle was very strong in this i would say this is kind of jacob's movie it really um, is yeah like and i think the, that's the warmth too is like because he's runs hot exactly no that's right on the money yeah uh, uh chris white's was like because this movie is about edward leaving and jacob becoming this warming nourishing presence in bella's life that is what kind of brightens up the movie and gives the movie colors that it didn't have in the first one yeah yeah, because it, it Slade brings it back down to a cold place in Eclipse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really do love the look of this movie. I think it, it looks really good. I know that Chris Weiss is, like, really proud of it. It's, like, one of the movies that he's the most proud of that he directed because of how fast he turned it around just professionally and how good it ended up being like he's like actually really proud of this this movie movie, like i don't want to get ahead of anything but this movie has two of my favorite transitions in the entire series 
Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should have pointed them out. But I, I think the point that you made, Nina, earlier is like something that because it's kind of become popular now in 2021 that kids might not remember that while it was really popular, Twilight was also really getting like battened, like attacked on all sides of like the look and like the way everyone dressed and the editing that it made sense that a lot of their decisions were like, okay, well we can't have it look like that again because people were making like SNL sketches about it. Yeah. Yeah. It honestly was like, Harry Potter levels of of discourse. It was like Harry, like Daniel Radcliffe with the contacts type of discourse. If and if you don't know what I'm talking about, like there was a really big deal um, in the Harry Potter fandom about um, Daniel Radcliffe's eyes being a different color than Harry's in the books, and they couldn't, they literally couldn't fix it because he's allergic to contacts. And they didn't want to CGI it, and but like that continues to be like a point of of upset, yeah, for yeah. people. And like yeah. that was the level of detail that this was going into for for Twilight. Crazy, yeah. Uh, Charlie scores a a real three pointer from half court of a dad joke. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, we I are love Charlie. We, fran- we on franchiseography are are staunchly team Charlie. Yes, uh, he's he's a single dad who works two jobs, who loves his kids. Like like he is like full Reba. Like this poor father. That was the thing watching it as an adult. I was like, oh my god. Like as a kid, you're like fuck Charlie. You know, always getting in the way. I'm sorry yeah. if I, I was saying that F word, you complete me. But um, it's like literally like it, he's always in the way and he does doesn't understand me and I was like yeah Charlie doesn't understand Bella does he not see that she's like literally in love and as an adult I am like this poor father (laughs) who has taken everything that life has thrown at him with with uh, absolute steel well even in this first scene something that I wanted to to, to call out is so he's like yeah your mom your mom coordinated you told me what to do so the mom's plan was hey buy our daughter a digital camera I'm going to buy a photo album from Michaels and we'll get like equal credit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and that is another thing I love about this series is like, there's so much emphasis on um, Bella's mom being closer to her and them having a mother daughter relationship that is stronger than Bella and Charlie. And yet she is absent. You see her for the first five minutes of Twilight. She shows up for like five minutes in Breaking Dawn. And otherwise, Charlie is literally dealing with the with the toughest part of anybody's lives, which is like teenage. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) yeah, can he make a great rom com character? Oh my he God. would. He's a. He is what. He's hilarious. Uh, he is what women in the dating world of that age range call a unicorn. He's a single dad. He's hot as hell, and he seems like a really good guy. He and is, I, like, the, you, <laughs> he has you, his you own write, friends. Yeah, yeah. Like you write the log line of like, I'm just a, the local sheriff of the small town. My my teenage daughter just moved in, and I'm dealing with that. Here's my buddy Billy, and we drink beer and watch the game, and I just wear he, flannel all day. He's the guy that woos the city woman who's come to the country in a lifetime Christmas movie. Oh like, yeah, he's that guy. Oh yeah, with that. <laughs> beautiful mustache and, yeah. and and a daughter that he cares for as best as he can and like those beautiful carhartt co- coats like yeah absolutely he is wow. actually the main character of forks and and we've just been looking at this wrong the whole time <laughs> there's like a scene where the city girl like connects with bella 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's cold the whole movie. I guess you're not so bad. I guess you, you'd be good for my dad. <laughs> Oh, She's man. like, oh, I can finally stop cooking his dinners. That was like a big thing in the book is like <laughs> oh, really? Bella like low key takes care of her dad. And that's right. something you don't really see in the movies, which I'm OK with because Charlie deserves better. But like Bella makes a big <laughs> deal of like basically taking care of him. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> that's right. not what's you, happening you, here. <laughs> you can kind of see Renee's point of view of like, I need to get out of here. This guy's never going to change or grow up. Yeah, that was the idea behind their divorce, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And instead it's it's more like in the first movie he's like no I just have a way of doing things. I go to the diner, I have dinner, like, you know, that's I'm 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 And then helping, I die. <laughs> yeah, I'm helping the restaurant industry in the town in which I'm sheriff, like, you know, that's yeah. good. Um but uh anyway, so okay, so uh she goes to school, everyone knows it's her birthday. Yeah. So she doesn't want to be reminded. So right away we kind of get like the the biggest change I think between Twilight and New Moon. Um, they, this, the school set is a parking lot and a green screen. Oh. Yeah. Cause in the first one, they actually filmed at a school and they used a lot of the locations like for, they, they really used the school for the first one. Um, especially with like the conversations that she has with her friend group. And this one is kind of like, you know, very establishing. It's like, Hey, Hey, we're still at the school, <laughs> but JK, you're never going to see it again. Okay. bye bye. Yeah. And like, the cast of her friends, like uh, the group of friends are very caricature in this one. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like Catherine Hardwick was all about natural locations and really making the students feel like a real kids you can hang out with. And this movie was all about getting filmed in time for the release. Yeah. And, and, and giving Jacob the attention he deserves. Right. Hey, nice biceps or whatever Bella says. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, you really it's like the it's the honestly, it's like the male equivalent of like uh or the female equivalent, I should say, of of, of her being like, Wow, you really grew over the summer, but like staring directly at his boobs. Like it's yeah. like literally sexist in a reverse way. <laughs> well, like, he's like pre hot Archie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think she says does, does she say holy biceps? Like <laughs> Something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the hero shot of Edward getting out of the car in slow motion. Hell yeah. A hundred percent intentional on Weiss's part. He oh. was like, I knew they were going to go crazy. So, yeah. And and just so you know, Volvo sales drastically skyrocketed after this series. Uh, according to the commentary, Volvo offered to give Edward a new car. Yeah, because it's 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 like the books were to a point where like the the car was not relevant anymore. But then on top of that, they were like, "Please, we will take any marketing. Please, we want to sell. (laughs) We're Volvo. Nobody drives our cars. Please." Uh, So, so so Bella's birthday. It's Bella's birthday. Mm. Alice and Jasper wish her a happy birthday. Alice is a cool little jump. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I what I love about Alice's jump is that (laughs) they had to communicate that she was graceful. That was a very, very staunch point of Alice's character uh, in the books. And you see that in the baseball scene in the first movie with the way she throws a baseball. But they were like, we don't have any way to show that she's graceful. Let's make let's make her parkour at school. over a railing <laughs> um, something happens sometimes in, when you play D and D 
where you'll like do something simple like jumping over a little ledge and then you'll roll like a nat 20 and you're like yeah okay i i guess i really you jump backflip <laughs> you somersault over a railing that's like yeah that's like what they were trying to do <laughs> yeah you somersault into a moonwalk and then... <laughs> yeah. it's i really just like so funny because it's like them trying to get these details in and also like having no outlet for it <laughs> because <laughs> mm-hmm. that is that isn't something that changed with hardwick is they did keep the like we have to keep these really faithful to the books because they're the ones that come out to these and they'll notice if jacob's house is the wrong color and stuff like yeah that. Mm-hmm. uh, uh Scott- a lot of a lot of shots of jasper just like standing in the background just glaring glowering at the <laughs> that's, world that's the other thing i love <laughs> is, is that little yeah. like that little pipeline of dialogue when they're like which is like jasper <laughs> stop making my emotions different it's like okay All everybody right, please remember mm-hmm. that jasper affects emotions even though we've spent no time on it <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he, that comes up at all in the first movie. No, it doesn't. And like everybody was like, why is he so weird? Like he, <laughs> all he says is battle scars and like we know nothing else about him. And so for this one, they were like, we have to make sure that they know that he's special and that everyone in this family is special. OK, guys, mm. so just just make him, you know, just throw a little a little emotional manipulation I, in there. I think now his discomfort reads is he's so afraid that someone's going to learn that he was in the Confederacy. Literally, yes. literally. <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I can't even touch on the fact that this was written by like a, a, a Mormon woman who is, is so staunchly Mormon that she describes Bella as wearing a, a floor length skirt with yeah. a long sleeve shirt in the books to a formal event like with a belt on top like very very <laughs> much not the peak of of contemporary fashion secular fashion i should say <laughs> um what do you think about bella's like wardrobe upgrade in in new moon so far like compared to like in the first movie oh my gosh so like they i was such a big fan i was so jealous one of my best friends in high school bought the green coat that she has on in this movie and it's like the cargo style and i remember being so jealous i used to know what the brand was and it's like a popular brand you you can like get it at nordstrom's and they you know they're still very uh fashionable but like we were so obsessed with what everybody wore and um yeah so like uh, this was a great upgrade it felt felt it felt true to her journey i would say but also i I just wanted to be her so (laughs) she's sort of like letting the edward come in like she's sort of even when she gets to the party your birthday party she's sort of really assimilating with the cullens yeah and you don't really see this until eclipse i think um when they start getting more serious but they're supposed to be like very much um alice's influence on her wardrobe because you know Mm. bella's chill okay like bella is a cool girl she cares more about her relationships than what she wears okay guys like she she doesn't care about silly things like fashion which is why when she tells charlie she's gonna go shopping he's like you shopping like he's shopping. like the other girls yeah what you you hang out with girls i don't i've never seen that before um so yeah like uh so you're supposed to subtly see the influence of alice's fashion stylist uh in, in her wardrobe i really like that she's really clumsy and alice is really graceful right that yeah it, really it's fun. an unlikely pairing an unlikely friendship mm-hmm. <laughs> the clumsiest um, girl in the world <laughs> and a woman who parkours over simple objects 
could have used some um, help during the birthday party though because shit gets <laughs> oh everywhere. it really does that's a, oh god it's so good i i love again the detail work so again chris caring about um Sorry, that's my dog. She's running away. She doesn't want to hear about my love for New Moon. So it's Chris's attention to detail. So in the scene of her birthday party, there's a very dramatic moment, right? Where blood is exposed in the house of the Collins. And and this is very bad because Jasper can't control himself and, and Edward has to protect her. And what I love the detail work is, is that Edward shoves Bella up, at, you know, thro- launches yeah. her, shoves his kind, l- launches her to the wall. And she lands on a table that does not break. Everything else breaks, but not the table. But then he launches uh, Jasper, who breaks a grand piano. And now why that is important is because from a fan perspective, you are supposed to infer that he delicately launches her. And also that she is not heavy enough to break a small entryway table and that he launches her gently, just enough to get her out of the way, but to break everything but the table. But he launches Jasper with such a force and that these vampires are made of stone, according to the books, that he can break a grand piano. And it is that kind of detail that we didn't have to have, but that I appreciate is there. Absolutely. Just kind of showing in that moment how much restraint Edward has been constantly using around Bella every moment that they're around each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I I do not want to skip to the birthday party, though, because we have oh. to talk about the Romeo and Juliet scene. <gasps> oh, my God. Which, Thank you so much. Right. You're so in which right. in which oh. if if anyone, anyone who looked like Edward does what Edward does in this, he would never stop getting laid. Ever, ever. For the rest of his life, he would still be getting laid for that time that he quoted Romeo and Juliet in the middle of class. <laughs> and as like a fuck you to the teacher. Like, like that was like, yes, that is a panty dropper in a nutshell. Like, <laughs> uh, we really do um, miss that environment of every single woman lusting for Edward Cullen because another thing you kind of forget in the movies is that he can read everyone's thoughts except Bella's so like mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing yeah, he can like, hear everyone's thoughts yes! after he does that <laughs> um I the the thing that gets funnier with age and I noticed that during these that that scene is like his decision to be 109 years old and still go to high school mm-hmm. is insane yeah because <laughs> like I mean, this is probably just from going to school over and over again that he's learned romeo and juliet oh yeah. absolutely and it's like again you you can't start applying too much logic to it from an adult perspective because when you're watching these movies you're like like why just like why are you doing any of this like well what <laughs> what so so that world <laughs> so the romeo and juliet thing actually kind of runs a little deeper Um, Because there's even like there's that scene where Bella wakes up and she's reading Romeo and Juliet. The cover is supposed to be uh, Montel Sepulciano in Tuscany, where they end up going. Mm. Um, Because White said, yeah, White saw Romeo and Juliet as a story about young people making really stupid decisions, (laughs) being really (laughs) reckless and making problems that could have been solved if they had just communicated. Yeah. And and that's exactly what and that's exactly what happens in New Moon. Mm hmm is Edward and Bella and just make huge 
crazy decisions without, you know, if they could just, would just call the other one up. And so she found that like thematically kind of. Relevant. And it's great. And it lands. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's a fantastic comparison because it really does bring light, like how irrational most of their decisions and conversations are. You're like, please, will you, will you both <laughs> just take a second to think? Yeah. And on the one hand, you have Romeo and Juliet, which is probably the most overused piece of, like, Shakespeare, period, right? But they're in high school. So the reason she's reading it is because it's homework, because they're learning about it in school. And so it, it has, like, a perfect place in this movie, in this setting, without mm-hmm. feeling like this, like... I don't overwrought. know, overwrought sort yeah, of thing. Heavy-handed. Yeah, heavy-handed. Because, like, if they were adults, yeah. like, and they went to go see, like, Romeo and Juliet as a play, you know, like, it, like, right. it would just, it would feel so, like, force-fed to you of, like, okay, I get it. Like, you're trying. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's appropriate to high school. And, and again, I think, because it, it really is, like, Twilight, and I was thinking about this as, again, like, with new perspective, like, I remember thinking these some of these were rational decisions as a teenager. I was like, well, of course, of course, she's upset about that. You know, of course, he's upset about that. Like, and it just goes again to show like you, you over time, you kind of forget like how much you are controlled by your emotion, by, by your hormones. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it, it's great. It is a great comparison because it, it holds true. God, the, when Bella hits that table, it's always so brutal. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Well, but I do want to mention him talking about how, uh, how like, oh man, it would be great to kill myself. Right. And God, she's just like, and she, <laughs> he brings it up. Yeah. I was like, she's I just never like, noticed I don't, that. I don't ever want you to talk about. It. I can't even bear it. I can't even bear it. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm on this movie's level. There's something. <laughs> there, there's a level that this movie's operating on that I'm really into tonight. So like, I was. <laughs> He's literally like, hey, like, hey, baby, like, I know you're the love of my life. And like, I literally like have to be around you 24 seven to a point that I watch you sleep. But like, at the same time, I constantly think about killing myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, just, but as we learn at the party, he literally can't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have the sun option that other vampires have of just like waiting for the sun to come up, right? That real dramatic broody way that vampires like to kill themselves in, in uh, other things. Classic. He, he has to get these really powerful government agency of vampires to be real mad at him and then uh, uh, execute him. But they won't because he's too valuable for his powers. Right. 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 So I do feel like they are a perfect match in dramatics for each other. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. They're both really extra. Like, <laughs> I think I think I couldn't see Bella making any connections with people without Edward at this school. Like, I don't think without Edward, she would have gotten really close with like Anna Kendrick or Mike. Well, and that is one thing you don't see in the movies is that in the books, uh, um, her her like friendships with them really are separate um and then she she confides in them a little bit more if i remember correctly and and that was the other thing is like she confides in them a lot in twilight and talks to them a lot but she like kind of also hates them she's kind of like oh 
friends, am I right? Like she Humans. gets like an, yeah, she gets annoyed by them, but then at the same time, like confides in them, and then that's why her connecting with Anna Kendrick in New Moon was like is such an important moment because it's like her trying to reestablish herself as an individual versus right. just like an extension of the Collins, mm-hmm. which ugh, Anna Kendrick, what a fantastic she understood oh, yeah. the assignment. <laughs> Now we'll yeah. get into it for sure. But uh but yeah, so Bella gets bludgeoned, blood comes out, everyone has to leave the room. Jasper mm-hmm. can barely contain himself. We get a really cool scene with uh Carlisle and Bella where Carlisle sort of you know explains Bella the vampire's plight of like believing that they're damned. And kind of the crux of Carlisle's experiment is that you know he he believes that a vampire can lead an enlightened existence. Mm-hmm. That we don't have to, you know, feed on people and give into our base natures. We can listen to art and go to high school forever <laughs> and be a family. And yeah. it, it's a cool little scene between the two of them. Yeah. I do he like it. He gets one in every movie. <laughs> he really does. Peter Facinelli is another person who 100% understood what he was signing up for. And for that, I adore him. He's like, I knew what I was doing in the first film. I know what I'm doing now. I just have a bigger audience and better hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I love the shot where the gauze is in the bowl and it's on fire and it kind of looks like a heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, fantastic. Like, love all that imagery. And then we yeah, get uh, got to burn all the blood. Kind of part one of the breakup. The breakup is kind of in two parts. Mm-hmm. Definitely, like they're they're in the truck. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the beginning of of him being like, "You ever really think about us? You ever really think about us long term and and like how we work together?" And it's <laughs> weird because like, like she no. <laughs> It's like they both have their own insecurities because she's like, you're not going to want to date me when I look, look like a grandma. And she he can't get over him being like this damned monster. Right. And <laughs> yeah. he doesn't want to he doesn't want to put that on her. Yeah. Not he's average. literally like, I have no soul and my existence on Earth is a prison. And she's like, oh, will you still lovely love me when my tits are saggy? Like, I just <laughs> don't know. And it's like, yeah, valid girl, but also he's saying something kind of important here. So it's kind of a good thing she she herself is not religious in the way that he <laughs> kind of is. It, right. It's honestly the most surprising thing coming from a Mormon. I know. It's like she that... really doesn't care about his soul at all. No. Yeah, he almost kind of she almost kind of scoffs at Carlisle. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what he's so hung up on, a soul? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I just want to, like, be with him. That That's enough, right? <laughs> what if Harry Potter was, like, weirdly Christian? And, like, it's coming up. <laughs> it would make a I lot don't... of people a lot more happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd, make yeah. it, it'd make an entire fan base. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of other people very confused. And a um, lot of other people very confused. Before we go in there, Ron and Hermione, let's pray. <laughs> Wait, but it's still magic, but they're they love Jesus. The I Lord's don't know how to feel magic. about this. The Lord's I magic. Can't. I can't. Dumbledore is like, oh. Amen. At every, you know, <laughs> every dinner. But, but the uh it was into Chris White's kind of also saw like the Mormon or he he never said the word Mormon, but he said like Twilight seems like a throwback. It mm-hmm. seems the values of it feel old very fashioned. old fashioned. And that kind of led to him patterning this off of like romantic epics like Gone with the Wind or mm-hmm. Back to the Future Minute listeners, uh, Dr. Zivago. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true though. And I and I think that's doubled down too by like the whole Italian aspect of it and his love of of Latin and literature and and all that good stuff. <laughs> just like Fraser. Yeah, just like Fraser. <laughs> just like Fraser. Um well, you know, Chris White's directed American Pie and Fraser was in Down Periscope, so it all Whoa. comes out in the wash. There we go. <laughs> so incredible. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, so eventually, like the next morning, Edward takes Bella out to the woods, put her down, um, just like in the first movie when she right, took him yeah. out to the woods to be like, "You're Say a vampire." It out loud. Yeah, Dumb you're a vampire. Out. And then this one, he takes her out to the woods to say, "You're dumped." Um, How long have you been wanting to break up with me? <laughs> a while. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he dumps her and then disappears and Bella just stays out in the woods until dark. There's the a part where town she... is looking for her. <laughs> I get very Rory Gilmore. Yes. The whole town. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Like, rally. <laughs> Bella's been missing for five hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> if Jess was a vampire. Like, that's what Twilight <laughs> yeah. is. Again, I, I Charlie is very Luke like. We're just we're missing a we're missing a Lorelai. We're missing like, like a saucy all the game. other parts are there. All the I other would parts argue. I would argue Anna Kendrick is is a young Lorelai. Oh, sure. Fast talking, quick witted, spitfire. spitfire. Yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. We'll see if it sticks. For sure. My favorite part of the is when she falls. And she's on the ground and she starts to get up and then she's like, no. See, no, but that's fine. that is so hilarious. And also, again, I got to respect that they treated it with complete sincerity. They're like, yeah, yeah, she is so heartbroken that she lays on the forest floor for five hours in a trance waiting yeah. for Edward to be like, gotcha. JK, you passed. And then this would not be the only time that she waits, but she is found by a shirtless man in the woods. <laughs> yes, with a cool and tattoo and shorts. Yeah. Uh, we meet Harry Clearwater, played by Graham Greene, acting legend, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like uh, uh, Charlie's other friend. Right, yeah, like right. the other friend that we haven't met. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you, we, we're going to establish that these guys are cool because they are cool, and we just didn't talk about it in the first movie. <laughs> we're not going to explain why he's shirtless just yet, but you just you wait. You're just going to let it be weird. Yeah, let's just let's just throw this out here, and then um, anyway, she was found, yay! And then we get another, like you said, in a very earnest, and I think one of the most, I think the most memorable scene in the movie, the Likey Lee possibility yes that is that is that is my favorite favorite scene out of the entire series i think Mm. because in the books it one it's just it's just great dramatics too but in the books when you're reading the book and she's found and that scene ends you turn the page and it's a blank page with just october and then you turn the page and it's a blank page with just november and then you turn the page blank page december and then you turn the page and the story picks back up so it's actually a really fantastic visual way of showing that time passing without us yeah. just jump cutting and 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 again like showing the way that time passes and how mm. bella really is just sort of like a like um 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 a viewer of of time rather than a participant. I really love that like that it's done. 
However, I think that there there's one aspect of the execution of it that makes me <laughs> laugh, which is yeah. that she it says October and then you see out the window it's Halloween. I'm like, well, I mean it's the last day of October. <laughs> like it's <laughs> like to I don't you, know that baby. It's October. To uh-huh. you. <laughs> so my favorite part of the whole I mean it's all great but the, during November where Charlie's just raking leaves <laughs> yeah and yeah. somebody's walking by with a turkey yeah. <laughs> I think if all three of them had been Charlie related yes like yeah yeah that would have been him made putting way decorations out yeah. yeah they're like well, we're going to try to fill out the world <laughs> but yeah. let's not also uh forget that that window looks out to the middle of the woods so like where are these people coming from <laughs> they're just yeah. like trespassing on, on Charlie's yeah. property for the sake of Bella. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I think about, uh, Nina, you mentioned like how this movie kind of found a new audience in quarantine mm-hmm. or in lockdown and sort of like how even like the pages, that is such an arresting visual metaphor of what lost time can feel like mm-hmm. when you're in a depressive period. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people related to Bella, maybe even more than they did back in 2009. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think too, like, uh, I think the reason why it it became popular during um, quarantine is there is one a level of silliness that just takes you away. It just takes you, you just soar off into this beautiful world of ridiculousness. But also, yeah, like, there's a certain level of isolation that causes you to make extreme decisions and and justifies um, odd choices. So... You know, for Bella, because like a lot of, according to like Kristen Stewart, she she saw Edward, Bella saw Edward as like this thing that was never going to go away, this constant mm. that was just hers forever. And so for it to be gone just rattles her. Right. And it's, you know, when some when the status quo and everything that you thought was going to just be there is suddenly upended, it sometimes you just have to kind of like sit still for a few months. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean I've known that. I've I've had very long relationships end and yeah, you definitely feel like it's like a combination of like a few feelings of just like on the one hand, you're like, well, it felt like it was coming to an end, so I guess this is correct. But on the other hand, you're like I just lost like 3, 4, or 5 years of like what to what, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so you you do get like this sort of existential crisis about like time in your life after a relationship like this ends. However, I can say that I never had <laughs> night terrors. Um, that was 100% a hundred percent a Kristen Stewart idea. It turns oh, out. Oh, okay. Her like pained yell. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, it is like still like it was weird in 09 and it's weird now. <laughs> um, it is an extreme, yeah. extreme side effect of this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> And kind of going back to poor Charlie, he's like, he literally, he's just like, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> she's screaming like she's being stabbed. <laughs> yeah, it's not even like, like, like a light whimpering. It is blood curdling screams in his home. And it's like, he's like, I, I was not trained for this. We're, we, we've been, we asked uh, Dagny this and in the answer was no, but did you read the Edward? twilight book no no No. i i didn't because by the time it came out it wasn't cool to like twilight anymore sure sure and i was kind of like 
I'm just dying to know what's in there because I want to know: is he screaming and having night terrors? (laughs) (laughs) He's in Brazil. Brazil, yeah, or where? Yeah, yeah. He he, like I I don't think so. I think it's just a lot of like masochism of just like him being like, she's better off without me, and and, Um, yeah, I don't think it's as it's as long either. So kind of like James Bond Skyfall vibes. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, she's having food and drink. She's having night terrors, and then when she goes back to school in January, uh, she is also just like ignoring her friends and sitting at the Collins table <laughs> and just sitting there shot. and just looking around like this is where they're they would, in sight. This is, her friend group can see. This is where they'd be if, if they were here. <laughs> she's like, she's like that SpongeBob meme. She's like, <laughs> I had friends once, and they're like literally <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> they can like see her slowly kind of like degrade over time of like oh she's not looking too healthy like, <laughs> like but we can't go over to her and then so one day charlie's like hey fucking go live with your mom like, yeah he's me. literally yeah. like i and it's a very valid argument i think he even says something to the, the like something to the effect of like i i don't even know what to do anymore like you're yeah. scaring me and it's like yeah that's valid <laughs> No one should be this codependent. No one. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is not healthy. He, he was making the right decision as a father. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's pretty psychologically sound. Like, every day she's going to the place where she has nothing but Edward memory. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. He cared about Which her. Which is why she wants to stay in Forks. Right. Um, so she calls. So she's like doesn't want to go to Fort Lauderdale. So she calls up Anna Kendrick and is like, do you want to hang out? And um, I found that uh, it turns out that's all Anna Kendrick improv. Yeah, and- she's so, again, understood the assignment. Like, I love yeah. Anna Kendrick for that. She was like, no, I know exactly who Jessica is and I will give it to you. And you, and yes, I am. I am correct. I just really like how normal they let Jessica. Be oh my now. god! And like again, they they made her a person. Like her literally. So, so they go shopping, and then Bella like makes that insane decision to go up to a group of of grown okay. men. Well, yes. But before yeah. that, I just have to point out like Jessica's cousin had leprosy, and she just throws <laughs> that out there. I was like, yeah. like I had a cousin who had leprosy, and you know, and just like Is that was zombie supposed to be a metaphor. <laughs> for it's not funny. And Kristen Stewart made the correct choice of being like, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bella are, does not Are they care. in Port Angeles? <laughs> is this a Port Angeles or is this Forks? Because mm. I assume everything sketchy that happens in the series happens in Port Angeles. Yeah, because yeah, like, I don't remember exactly, but I know in the books, like they basically go into town for like, there's the assumption that nothing is in Forks. So anytime okay. they do something... Even even somewhat normal, they have to drive, like the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Bella comes across some like really sketchy, yet boring looking dudes. <laughs> it's a weird combination. It really is. It's like it's not that it, they're like sketchy, but at the same time, I'm like, he just looks like a dad. I'm like, yeah. he just he, he just <laughs> looks like a, like a dad who's just like uh, taking a couple hours away from his family to to ride his motorcycle without <laughs> have a moment. High school girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I, my I just again love Anna Kendrick for being like. Um, like I get that you're going through something, but also uh, that's no reason oh. to, to. Oh, her her reaction to like what a rush! She's like 
great great fucking cool <laughs> yeah she's like go up in a hot air balloon you don't go and like put yourself in actual physical harm <laughs> that's uh, a good Jessica, friend uh, uh, jessica's a good yeah, friend and yeah. it's like i think she's another character that really gets better with age as you get older. oh yeah i think yeah. they recognize too because i don't remember her being like that relatable in the books I, she was God, kind just of just imagine just imagine the peaceful life that Charlie would have if Anna Kendrick was his daughter instead of Bella. For real. <laughs> that man would anyone be else. thriving. Yeah. <laughs> he would be mayor of Forks. Oh, man. Mayor of Forks. <laughs> Vitamin R for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think Jessica would have a great time having a dad she can fuss over. I feel yeah. like she would thrive in that relationship as well. Yeah. She would like find some man, some guy, you know, like have a beautiful yeah. family. He would have grandkids. Like, AU, <laughs> hey, where Anna Kendrick is. Oh, not Belle. No, not Anna Kendrick. Uh, uh, Jessica. Yeah. AU, yeah. hey, where Jessica is Charlie Swan's Charlie's daughter. <laughs> and everything is normal. Yeah. Yeah. So Bella loves the motorcycles uh, now because she can see Edward when she puts herself in danger. Right. And that was a, a White's idea mm -hmm. because in the book, she just hears Edward's voice like, don't do it. Yeah. Fucking stop. Yeah. But they were like, well, it's a movie. Let's make it visual. So they yeah. created this like candle flame. Yeah. I love that and also too. It, it works really well again with like the, the whole like imagery of everything. You know, he's yeah. a wisp mm -hmm. of a memory that that's all she can manage. Yeah, and there's uh, there's also zero percent chance that they're not going to put vis visually have Edward just missing from this movie for a full seventy minutes of its runtime. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> they're like Robert Pattinson is uh, is literally making women lose their minds. We have to keep him in this movie as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually have a theory about his overall feelings on this franchise. Um, you know, Robert Pattinson, because I feel like, you know, I think, I think Kristen Stewart, I mean, neither of them are overly fond of it. They don't like what they went through, uh, behind, like afterward and like mm -hmm. the movies aren't, aren't their cup of tea. Um, but I think that Kristen Stewart had the advantage of just being like, well, I'm, I'm going back to school, you know, like I'm here every <laughs> year and I do the thing and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm there for four months and then I'm gone and then I come back in six months and I do another one and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Banking money. I'm working with directors. Right, right. Yep, yep, but yep, yep. Robert Pattinson did the first one was like, oh God, thank God that's over. Hey, you need to come back for like two weeks for the next one. Cause you're in it. You're in it less, but you're in it. Oh, okay. So he comes in, he does his best and then he gets to leave and I feel like by the time he gets to Eclipse where he's in the whole thing again, it's just like, God damn it. I thought I was done. I just I like <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt like I was I had one foot out the door and now I'm back all the way in again. And I feel like that contributed to his feelings on uh, on on this franchise and just being exhausted by it. because It's true because yeah. they, they both are very big. They as actors are huge fans of independent projects and that's actually yeah. you're going to see a drastic wig change 
between new moon and eclipse for Kristen Stewart because she goes off and does the Joan Jett movie and cuts her hair into a mullet. She's like, I, I understand, you know, that Twilight is like my moneymaker basically, but uh, let's not forget that I am an artist and same with um, Robert Pattinson. He goes off and does something too. Um, but yeah, that's a hundred percent, hundred percent correct. Like he literally thought he was doing an independent film that happened to be about vampires. And he was like, yeah, this seems fun. Okay, sure. Why not? And like, thought it would be over and that's why they got a major talking to about press because they were they were constantly on press junkets when the, the movie when they were, weren't filming the movie and they basically were like okay we need Robert because he's our biggest selling point but also he does not want to talk about this movie and yeah. so like you watch any of the old press junket stuff and he, he just looks they both look so miserable yeah well they're like and it doesn't and help they're like they're tired. both kind of weird people yeah, yeah. Oh, and yes. they they have kind of like a darker weirder sense of humor mm-hmm. than like you know the rock <laughs> <laughs> now i want the rock to be a volturi <laughs> oh man just then that robe just like sitting in <laughs> and and to be fair <laughs> um like that is one of the biggest selling points of robert pattinson as an actor for me is that he has a chaotic energy that simply is unmatched and it works really well for his acting but like also him as a person is is so fascinating and it is why he is my batman like if uh-huh. you want to take somebody who's going to understand irrational drastic decisions like he does for edward it's going to be robert pattinson for bruce wayne <laughs> somebody yeah, who is who is so far off the deep end he creates an alternate persona yeah uh and he he uh I, robert pattinson was a fan of the book new moon he, he thought it kind of made edward more relatable mm-hmm. because this is all of him being full of doubts and angst because he's painted as so perfect and so like Darcy and almost in the first one mm-hmm. that he's like, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be that guy. And right, he really right. as as much as he like, you know, hums and haws about the, the success of, of the twilight movies. Like he really does. Like you can tell he puts, he does put thought into he, it, like it, people like to joke, but like it, at the same time, he really does like care about this character and where this character is coming from. And mm-hmm. I think you see that. Mm-hmm. For sure, it's, and it's, it's uh, definitely not half-assed. For sure, <laughs> um, yeah. When he's like a wisp, yeah. So, so Bella, uh, Bella get gets a few uh, uh, busted Kicks. up motorcycles out of a out of a trash heap, and just uh, brings them on over to to Jacob and be like, "Hey, we're gonna fix these together." And by together, I mean you will, and I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like Jacob is like so. Like he's like a puppy in love. He's like, yeah, okay, Bella, yeah, yeah, no, uh, cool. And and then Bella, <laughs> Bella, where where the hell have you been, Loka? I I've been saying that to because he says it at the same time every time. I've been saying that to myself all day in my apartment. Bella, <laughs> Bella. <laughs> God, bless. I just like I like the idea of like Chris Weiss just being like, cut, cut. What what are you? Why are you saying it like that? Saying it like what? <laughs> Saying Bella the way that you say it. How do you say it? Bella. 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 I'm saying what you're saying. Like, just like that <laughs> conversation. I really okay, just like say Bell. Just say Bell and just say, uh, just say Bella. 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 <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. I like that Charlie's nickname for her is Bells. I think that's cute. Yeah, yeah that is cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Charlie, I mean, not Charlie, uh, Jacob is just like, oh, please. Yes. Time validation. Yeah. I'm yeah. For it. I, yeah. I, but then shortly after this, mm-hmm. I think that Bella says, I think what is one of the most, one is one of the funniest, most teenager lines of dialogue I've ever heard <laughs> in a movie where they're listening to music and she goes and turns it off and then he's like what's wrong you don't like that that song i love those guys and then she says i don't like i don't really like music anymore kind of (laughs) 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 i don't really like music anymore kind of (laughs) you're right the most like Yeah. What? Like nothing's <laughs> like no no thoughts head empty type of dialogue. Like like <laughs> yeah. she's tr- she's truly like oh how do I show that that <laughs> I can't care about anything? Uh, I was just gonna say I don't like music. music? I, I don't like music, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I don't really like it, music anymore. I don't really of. like anything anymore. <laughs> I think. Kind of. <laughs> But I, the the kind of is what makes it because it really because it's the it's the wishy washiness of being yes. a teenager where it's not cool to be like sure about anything. As a yeah, teenager. it's the confidently turning it off with no no dialogue and then following up with kind of yes, <laughs> like oh uh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, Jacob's like, yeah, whatever. I don't like music either. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, Scott, what do you think about this time, this kind of peace period between Jacob and Bella, where they're like fixing the bike and spending time in the shed together? They they really seem like a great couple of buds. <laughs> right. Couple of buds. Couple of buds. There is abs <laughs> I'm sorry, Team Jacob people, but there is absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. No, these no, two. there really isn't. It's a it's a shame because like you like again watching it later in life i'm just like uh bella's just like taking advantage of his attention Mm -hmm. and like she really has zero interest in this guy and and it's kind of messed up that she's using him emotionally it's weird that it's like in the and maybe less so now but definitely when they were coming out team jacob and team edward kind of was the conversation oh definitely it was the who will claim the iron throne of twilight Mm -hmm. what in retrospect, it really does play like a textbook, like watch to learn how to like, look, this is what a, this is a relationship. And this is like kind of using someone or letting someone be, you let themselves be used. Mm-hmm. Even though like, yeah, I never buy them as a romantic couple. I'm always yeah. like, oh, Jacob, you poor. That's yeah. why I don't like Eclipse because it, it feeds that narrative of like Jacob as a contender when really like he's just not, he's really no. not. He is a friend who is obsessed with her. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's also, um, you know, he is he is obsessed with her, but like in a in a very childish, just sort of like puppy love sort of Mm -hmm. way. Right. He doesn't know why he likes her. He doesn't know what it is about her. And there is certainly is no chemistry there. It's and just he is he younger likes... than her in the book. Right. 
you don't really well, catch that. He is that. here too. They but, talk about but that. But I think of he's times. like extremely younger than her. Like I think he's oh, like wow. fourteen or fifteen when she's like uh, eighteen. Oh, don't geez. quote me on that because okay. because it's been it's been fifteen years since I've read him. But I remember him being very much portrayed as younger, and you don't really they appropriately aged that up for the movies and and made yeah. Taylor Lautner look like a man. Mm. So it's not weird. It's like that episode of Brace Face where Sharon realizes that she's on a date with like an eighth grader. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what comes to my mind first. <laughs> the um, animated series phrase face. But yeah, it, it is. It's it's weird because, you know, there's a mix of things going on here where it does feel like Bella is taking advantage of Jacob. But at the same time, she doesn't have any... She doesn't have to tell him no. He should be able to pick up on hints, you know? Like that yeah. like there's no interest there, dude. Yeah. Like you're just friends and that's fine. Like cuz I hate that term of like friend zoning and I remember yeah. like a lot of people like throwing that around a lot here where it's just like pick it up, well, man. She's friend she, zoning you. Yeah, and, and she like, makes a good point. Friends. She makes a good point of like she does actually set some healthy boundaries in the mm-hmm. movie scene later that, that I feel like is very important from like yeah. a, from that perspective of like she never ever like puts herself out there romantically. He is reading into it in a way that mm-hmm. is not uh, healthy. <laughs> right. right. It's kind of like and then she it's like, literally you know, tells him no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like on Jacob's end, I guess, bringing it back to eternal sunshine. uh, Everybody's got to learn sometime. (laughs) Like he's this dumb kid who doesn't know the difference between like a connection with someone with like a a girl and like the I'm in love with you, you and me forever of like, no, just because like you're sharing these moments and you're like, we're there for her when she needed someone to like bring her out of this depressive period. Mm -hmm. That's and like, you know, I don't know if he learns anything because he kind of he doesn't does a left <laughs> yeah into another really, <laughs> really crazy he doesn't yeah and and mm-hmm. and in Team Jacob's defense, like you know, their argument is he he is there and he would never abandon her, and that was like their whole mm-hmm. argument is like he would oh. never put her in that position to where she would need that much uh care Mm. but he does it anyways and he's there for her during the hardest times whereas edward just convenient you know conveniently comes back later but that's not not true but that has no bearing on whether or not you want to be in a romantic relationship with someone i agree it doesn't matter how much you're around that doesn't give him the right to her right i agree she's not into it she's not into it and, and that's he is okay. so possessive it's like yes. even at the start of the movie when he drops off her birthday gift and he literally locks eyes with edward yeah. and this is like before mm-hmm. we even find out about you know the age-old uh war between mm-hmm. vampires and werewolves like this is just his own like possessiveness thinking that yeah. he, owns... he doesn't even know about that yet. yeah he doesn't even know about it. and it's like he thinks he owns bella to a, to a, yeah. an extent of like he has to shield her from her own boyfriend. <laughs> he was, was like that at the end of Twilight. Yes! He did that stare down thing. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Unhealthy. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they so they they get the bike fixed, right? Are we at that point? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they had. Yeah. Oh, I love that wrench throw transition. That's my second favorite. The one where he throws oh. the wrench, or she throws the wrench, and it and it cuts to a different season. Love that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great montage. And it like, is. I think they're, 
I whether it was accidental or not or like designed or directed, I think their lack of sexual chemistry or lack of romantic chemistry kind of works for the reasons that we just described. Mm-hmm. Um where it's like I think the like, you know, Harry Ginny chemistry becomes an issue in the Harry Potter movies that were like, oh, this doesn't get this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. But we have no choice. Um, we can't change it. Yeah. <laughs> she'll, she'll kill us all. Even though it doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie. Um, yeah. So the very memorable uh, bike crash stunt. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's um, a pretty big stunt. Like, and again, it goes back to the whole like budgeting and the business side of things. Like, we really start getting into the meat of why this movie needed a certain level of care from a safety perspective. And um, I only bring that up because it was, again, interesting to watch uh, now being in the industry and just seeing kind of like, I was like, oh, these were actually kind of major stunts that they took over. Oh, yeah. And had to do safely. And it's like, yeah, yeah, they did. It looks cheesy, you know, but they also did a pretty good job with what they had. Right. I mean, yeah, like, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to like the the cliff jump yeah 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 but like the the way they chose to shoot that but even just the motorcycle like just her fault like literally being launched and then him having Mm -hmm. to like slide the motorcycle in like i know it's no james bond riding through the streets of like normandy or whatever but it's still like that's kind of hard to do i wouldn't be able to do that (laughs) there's a lot of moving pieces and i don't shout out to bella's stunt double i know yeah 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 Good, good, good choreo, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Speaking of good choreo, uh, Jacob whips his shirt off (laughs) to to help Bella. First time in the Uh, franchise. There it is. Got a huge reaction in the theater that I remember. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, People, like, they, you know, they clapped. (laughs) They were very Um, thrilled. I guess guess now's as good as time as any to get into the, uh, the Taylor Lautner of it all. Yes. And uh, the challenge presented to him at the start of this movie. So um, it was not made a secret to Taylor Lautner that he was replaceable oh. um, going in, going into New Moon because there was speculation from fans and producers of Lautner's ability to uh, match the physicality of Jacob in New Moon. Um, in that transformation that he goes through, people were actively like, I don't think he can do it. He's too scrawny and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so Lautner was like, oh, shit, I this could they could give they could just give it to someone else. So he like packed on 30 pounds of muscle. Jesus. Um, working out three times a day for an hour. And he was like 18 at the time. Um, and it kind of added this kind of uncomfortable layer to me of like, you know, they gave Pattinson like CG abs. Yeah, they yeah, literally or- like make up abs on him because they knew he was such a selling point. And then they recast mm. basically the in- the entire reservation because they didn't think that the the original truly native people that they put in Twilight were pretty enough, basically. Which is fascinating because those Cliff Diver Squad, what is their name? What 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 do they call themselves? That little group? Um it's the boys. Sam's, the boys. Sam's uh, Oh, just cult. Sam's group. Yeah, Sam's they're like, oh yeah. there's there's Sam's cult. Yeah. So like, you know, they're all walking around without the shirt on. And the thing that kills me about it is like they're they not, don't, they don't look all like, look no, yeah. They not, don't not all like, look not like, like Hollywood. They look like normal like fit Certain dudes guys. yeah like it's a very fit reasonable in real life yeah but jacob for some reason had to like shine you know yeah. 
And at the time, the definitely the conversation around the movie were like, whoa, Taylor Lautner got so big. He became a heartthrob. Check it out. And even in the movie, they were like, whoa, good job, man, blah, blah, blah. But now, you know, 10 years plus later, we can kind of look back and be like, wow, that was like a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of unfounded because he was like, uh, I know people were excited for him to play Jacob in the first one because he knew martial arts and tumbling and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like nobody was really worried about his ability to do any of the stunts. So like the muscles really, again, is just like kind of another old uh, reverse sexism type thing of like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, this woman has to lose weight, you know, oh, this kid this boy has to pack on 30 pounds of muscle to really accurately portray the vision people have in their minds of jacob and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's rough and and good on kind of robert pattinson for being like no i i won't pack on Mm -hmm. muscle i'm gonna keep eating dry ramen and live in (laughs) my basement Yeah. And Lautner does, a, like you said, like he does a shit ton of really kind of technically impressive stunt work in this movie mm-hmm. that definitely went over my head in 09. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, the, so the shirt thing's weird. It's so but, weird. He's like, he's like, oh, no, you you cut yourself. Let me strip for you, Bella. <laughs> I was, I was like, what would I, would that be normal if, if, if a person did no, that? No, like, like if a, if no, a guy like, friend of mine, instead of just ripping. You're bleeding from the. <laughs> instead of just ripping the bottom of his shirt off, like, like the hem, that's, which yeah, would be I, plenty. I feel like that's, I feel like that's a lot harder than just taking your shirt off. I don't know. Okay. That's uh, fair. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine like trying if you to. Had, okay. But if you looked like Jacob did. What what would be your moral ethical choice if you had the muscles that Taylor Lautner did? Would you take your shirt off? Option one: Would you take your shirt off, or Mm -hmm. would you use an example of your strength, which you've worked really hard on, to easily rip your shirt off, like rip it a portion, a portion of your shirt to heal this this love interest of yours? And and I mean. Honestly, it it I, it's a some ethical question. I don't know yeah. which one I would choose. I was, I, yeah, I think it would have been a more baller move on Jacob's part to be like, I'm strong enough to just cleanly rip this shirt. Yeah, if he can lift a gonna... motorcycle out of the back of a truck, I think he can yeah. rip a shirt. <laughs> Yeah. Now, on the other end, if this was like an older gentleman or an out of shape like gentleman, yeah, no. and he went worked through his insecurity or didn't care about his yeah. insecurities and like that took off be, his shirt, that, that's that's heroic. Yeah, yeah. I do love that. I think I think in my if I was in this situation, I would take off my shirt and then run away back home to put on another shirt. <laughs> you stay there. Turn around. Yeah. You you stay there. I'll be right back. Don't look at me. <laughs> well where'd he go <laughs> Bella's like I, I am not a, I, I just I think I have a concussion <laughs> think, I'll be back with a towel <laughs> did they go to the, the hospital no! after this? What, like, let's also talk right? about uh, like poor Charlie his daughter constantly she just came home with a literal right. gauze around her, her arm is treated by yeah. Carlisle which is good and convenient but like comes home with with a, an armband of injuries and then falls off a motorcycle comes home with like a concussion and he's just like <laughs> oh there there's my daughter well uh, you're <laughs> such little, a klutz bella you're such a klutz bella <laughs> clumsy bella 
<laughs> Andy's biggest the clutch sheriff. And forks. Andy's the sheriff, and she has all these injuries. Like, if I was a common townsperson, I would be like, "There is something oh, wow. suspicious happening in the Swan House. Like, he is he yeah. is abusing her. Someone called CPS. Oh, like a Book of Henry situation. Yes, exactly. yes. I was, say. <laughs> yes, I was about to say a Book of Henry situation. <laughs> That's 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 a book of Henry needed. It was a late an act three vampire. Uh, Dean Norris also could be a Volturi. <laughs> wow, <laughs> hell yeah! Oh, um, so Volturi. so now uh, uh, this is when Mike asks out Bella the next day. Mm. Such a scumbag move! Yeah. Like she's back in the friend group for like five seconds. Yes. And he's like, "Oh, great! I can ask you out because I know you're single now." Uh. Yeah. You know, and Did- good on him for just making Mike <laughs> as as slimy as he is in the books. I remember, he, yeah, that character. There was no redeeming him. He he is just like a like I'm a nice guy. Ugh. Oh, Nina, I, I have a question. Um, a does Mike date Jessica in the books, and why does that not work out? Yeah, I think eventually Mike is like Jessica's into Mike and then Mike is into Bella. And so there's like this weird okay. tension between Jessica and Bella for a long time. And then eventually Mike and Jessica like start dating and, and you just kind of like, I I want to say, I don't know if it's the movies or the books. My memory is hazy, but there's like even a conversation between Jessica and Bella where like Jessica's like, I'm not you. I will never have the power that you have over Mike, but I still deserve happiness. And if that if and if he's going to give me even a sliver of attention, like I'm going to take it. And and she's Bella's kind of like, OK, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Go for Yikes. it, girl. Like, I don't even. It's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, you can have Mike. <laughs> There's something so like, like you said, yeah, he is totally. Yeah, I guess he's so relatable. Yeah, it's, it's just like, everybody knows uh, someone worst. like Mike. Like everyone has had someone mm-hmm. like Mike in their life. Yeah, they had to be in their friend group. I said, so like, well, everyone else is friends with Mike. Yeah, so. Um, but then definitely, definitely turns movie date into group movie night. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, although that doesn't and really then, work out because only Jacob comes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Anna Kendrick gets, I think, my favorite line reading in the whole movie, which is movie night with Bella. Mike invites her first to uh, a rom-com called Love Spelled Backwards is Love. Which is just mm-hmm. great, great. And again. it looks like it looks like based on the poster that they pass later on. Um, in the lobby, it looks mm. like Love Spell Backwards is Love is some sort of time travel movie. <laughs> Whoa. Because there's, like, there's, like, there's like clocks and stuff on the poster for Love Spelled Backwards is Love. Um, Got it. So I don't know. Someone in the art is. department had a really good time with that. And I, yeah, and, sure. and I applaud them. Right. <laughs> there's, a, there's also a face punch poster yes. that they, you see. Like, oh, em- yeah. Like yeah. Yes. yeah. Face puncher. Uh, Bella suggests. That they go mm-hmm. to see Face Punch because that's what she's into. Adrenaline Adren- and guns. Adrenaline and guns and action. Mm-hmm. That's what it says on her yearbook. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, adrenaline. Adrenaline, guns, dr- guns <laughs> you proper know, action to, and shit. You used to like, be able to put those little <laughs> icons on your yearbook if you like got the, the, the engraving. <laughs> just like a yeah, gun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, gun a gun and a bomb and, and a skull. <laughs> a skull. Yeah. Bella Swan. Bella Swan. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so they go see Face Punch. 
and Mike is not into it and has to bail and throw up. Oh, I wanted to get y'all opinion. So there's a scene where uh, Bella looks down at Edward's hand Mm -hmm. and Mike's hand. You mean Jacob's hand and Mike's hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacob's hand and Mike's hand. And she's like, uh, are you? I was trying to decide or figure out if they're the way their hand language is, if they're both waiting for Bella. Yes. To, yes. Okay. Absolutely. I, yeah. And she's just like, no. Also, like, I, I, I just love the audacity of Mike. Like, <laughs> the audacity of Mike to just be like, as he's becoming physically sick, he's like, I can still get laid. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's again very teenage. Like it just yeah, the audacity of like being like, Yeah, this is a who, good idea. Who? And like, yeah, the, the the kind of like the stunted like brain that boys have that where it's like has no doesn't register that she's out of a multi month depressive state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh she's available now. I could ask her to face. She's vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> but equal I've been waiting all this easy. time. <laughs> Right, just waiting for her. Every day I wait for her to walk over to our table again. (laughs) He's like, I've been so patient, and now I'm paying attention to her. So I've had a list of movies, and as they've been released, I'm like, this is the one I'm going to ask her to go with me to. Face punch. (laughs) So, but then I this is so weird. Even as a kid, I thought like Jacob's weird like bullying of Mike. He's like a real man can handle gore. (laughs) Is also very teenage, but just so like. I don't know. Maybe you date the 109-year-old. Yeah. Well, you know, it is very teenage, but he's also dealing with becoming a werewolf for the first time and and right. all of those emotions, like, driving all of these, like, you know, gr- gr- like hormone, gross hormonal shit. Aggression. Yeah. But, yeah, like, but like Nina said, like, uh, Bella really kind of, like, stands her ground and sets, like... Because he tries to hold her hand, and she's like, "Like no," because that I think that means something different to you than it does to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that. Yeah. And then Jacob's like, "Fuck this, I'm out." <laughs> yeah, it's like let's not even. It's like the whole like Jacob going through puberty, basically. Like it's so heavy handed that I don't even really want to like bring it into the conversation of just like let's right. just remove the fact that he is going through an extreme puberty for to be a werewolf and let's just mm-hmm. turn back into jacob again being just naturally possessive and mm-hmm. and kind of just right. a stupid boy a stupid high school boy who thinks he's entitled to to um things that really yeah. no yeah, yeah. Uh, the heart of a girl that he used to make mud pies with yeah. when they were like five yeah, yeah. so so he fucks off and Mike is like, what the hell was with that guy while wiping vomit off his mouth? Uh, <laughs> the movie very gracefully love- doesn't show us how, <laughs> I really- how Bella bails from Mike. Yeah, I love how, like, the, 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 oh, God, this is what the good parts. Like, it's, like, genuinely great of, like, Jacob being like, wow, he really can't handle anything, can he? And then Mike coming out and be like, he's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he sure is a weirdo, not like me. So so Bella has a, another sort of mini depressive state of like, oh, no, I don't have Edward. And now I don't have Jacob, my ba- my backup anymore. Charlie is like drinking a beer and watching the game, like kind of glancing at Bella. Oh, shit. Is she going to get sad? Again? <laughs> yeah. And so then she finally she goes out to Jacob's place and just finds him just like wandering shirtless in the rain. <laughs> so um, this was actually 
double rank. I know. I was. I saw that, that and I was, was like, "Oh my god!" Like, because you're watching it and you're like, "God, mm-hmm. that they are really wet." Like they. They are genuinely like it is raining, and that must have been what the weather was. It's like no, they made it that way. <laughs> well, it was raining for real, but the real rain wasn't showing up on camera enough for it to look like it was raining super hard. So they added a rain machine. So Taylor Lautner, by his own admission, is like I'm basically naked. I'm in jorts. It's 38 degrees, and I'm standing in double rain. <laughs> double rain. <laughs> yeah, literally, and and yeah. and like we're talking about filming in the dead of winter in and Vancouver in like Portland, mm. like like in the behind the scenes, everyone is in parkas in like winter gear, and this poor soul, this actor, and thankfully, like the director knows he's like, yeah, we we asked a lot of these of these actors to stand in rain for an entire day, uh, mm. just to film like the emotional, uh dramatics of this conversation mm-hmm. yeah like there's this clip of case dude like stopping mid line because she's like i'm fucking drowning like, yeah. I can't see. <laughs> yeah just like a, oh a nightmare scenario <laughs> but this is super like romantic pride and prejudice imagery mm-hmm. the notebook uh the notebook for sure yeah rain rain jacob you know it's like you sexy, can't yeah. wait for the rain you have to talk about mm-hmm. it now yeah <laughs> So Jacob is going through this very much off-screen tribunal and transformation where he's realizing his birthright and his legacy and the vampires are real and werewolves are real and he's a werewolf and we see like 0% of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In the books, you definitely, like, their time has passed. Like, I think at least hmm. he is sick for like two weeks. His dad said he had mono. Yeah. <laughs> His dad is like, we're going to use the excuse that we have used for generations. <laughs> Generation mono. Uh, my son oh, has Jacob, mono. he's got mono. Yeah. <laughs> for like three weeks. He just forgets <laughs> how long he's been using the line. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like, funny, right. too. He, he really, yeah, what a great dad. He doubles down, too. Like when Bella comes by <laughs> later, she's like, I know he's home. He's like, no, he has mono. <laughs> The mono is spread, Bella. You you can't be in the room with him. <laughs> I'm glad Billy Black's in this. For I am bit. too. My fav- one of my um, favorite scenes in the first one is him and Charlie fighting, but he's in to chasing, <laughs> yeah, chasing each other. Chasing each yeah. other when he's in the wheelchair. I'm just like, yeah, I love um, that. So like then the scene, Jacob's like, you can't be with me anymore, Bella. And Bella's like, fucking this again. Are you kidding me? I'm getting like, dumped what? twice. Uh, we weren't even together, and I'm getting dumped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's like it's so weird how much of this movie is on focus on Jacob, but we never really get a sense of Jacob the way we do Edward in the mm. first movie. Mm. Um, yeah, it's because well, Bella doesn't care about him yeah, the way that yeah. she cares about. It Edward. really is like we don't yeah. really yeah. care about Jacob. We really like mm-hmm. we don't like yeah. they don't really even talk about his school life in the books like it's just like right. oh well he goes to a school on the reservation and he doesn't right. come hang with the white people because why would he and that's like rightfully so right. it's like <laughs> why put it's, yourself in that kinda, situation mm-hmm. like he has less to do he has less in common with like the romantic rival 
archetype as he does the like the Baxter foil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah. the whole time the audience is like, no, you're not supposed to be with him. Yeah. 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 It's uh, really like kind of like not needed in a way. Like you one could argue <laughs> that somewhere there is a cut of, of this entire series that barely involves Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it would be not you would you would both basically new moon would become like the beginning of eclipse but other than that <laughs> yeah. um, other than that you so, wouldn't really lose a lot yeah so jake uh, or so scott through our uh through talking about shark boy and lava girl and twilight you've kind of slowly becoming a a, a new fan of taylor <laughs> sure yeah uh what did you think of what do you, do you kind of wish there they went more into jacob's domestic life or do you agree that it's like it's not the point of focus i mean it's not the point of focus i i i agree that it's not the point of focus i just wish that they allowed jacob to be like funnier and more charming in the way that taylor lautner is instead of in like the himbo way that taylor Mm -hmm. lautner is Mm -hmm. versus what they decide to do with jacob which is just make him kind of edwardy like in possessive like well and just like like sort of like classically charming but it doesn't yeah. really work for taylor lautner in that way you can't like, have muscles like that and then be classically charming it doesn't right. they don't go hand in hand yeah i so like i think i think that like him being sort of like a runt his whole life um would make him a funnier person and he would be like a funnier guy and like a fun guy to be around. This dude's not fun to be around. <laughs> <clears throat> he's just not. Um, no, he's just constantly bringing up more. how much he hates Edward. Like that's his yeah. joke. His joke is to just put down other men. And it's right. like, that's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny to guys. It's not funny to girls. Like you're just yeah. kind of a shitty person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm such. I also. I also like, and again, I know that it's not a focus, and I know, and I certainly know why it's not here. I mean, she like made up all of this Native American stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it does bother me that the the reservation is not represented in an mm. accurate way, like at all. Like mm-hmm. when we go to their house later, it's like this gigantic house, and it's mm-hmm. really nice, and it's like. Guys, this isn't what reservation life is like. And, like, I think it's unfair to present it this way mm-hmm. when, like, everybody's struggling in reservations. I mean, you watch yeah. Reservation Dogs. That's at more accurate to what it's like as 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 far as I know. And um, I do but, like, think, like, yeah. Catherine Hardwick kind of understands that in the first film because you yes. very much get the feeling that when Jacob shows up with his friends that they are considered other and, yes. like, not in a good way. And, and yeah, it's like, we can't, even though I know, like, she is a white woman who is Mormon, which is traditionally, like, not very friendly to other, uh, like, to ethnicities or other nationalities Mm -hmm. other than um, Eurocentric. It's like, I feel like we could have, even if it was going to be fictional, could have dived a little deeper into, like, what reservation life is other than sitting around a campfire telling stories Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, like, jumping off cliffs and it's like and eating and eating gigantic muffins the biggest muffins the i've ever seen in my goddamn muffins. life it's like Eat your muffins boy <laughs> like bigger these than are the, three thousand like, calories each it's the only way it's like i thought costco muffins were large it's like these <laughs> this is like somebody like ha- like baked a, like a bunt cake 
Yes. <laughs> trying the the werewolf actors trying to seem like rakish and boyish <laughs> while holding these like big muffins. And, and like, like what's up, Bella? Yeah. We're, was, we're oh man, we we love to hang out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh don't mind uh, don't mind the woman of the house. She just has a giant scar. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so are we are we at the the Quaaludes yet? Are we at their house, or what comes after the rain? scene? Well, so after the rain scene, kinda... uh, she goes she goes to the um the uh, the grassy knoll that's like dead now, and oh, that bums right. her out. Loren. And then uh, and then our boy Darwin shows up, right, Laurent. Yeah. yeah, and who is? Wait, no, yeah, that's Darwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's whoa, Eddie Gaffney. Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> And he's great. It all just... And also, again, yeah. like, uh, let's <laughs> quickly note Stephanie Meyer's problematic uh, uh, idealism, which is that basically people of color can't be vampires. Because she has mm. since come out and mm. said, like, no, there's there's no black vampires. So kudos to this casting who basically was like, no, <laughs> we, ha- we need to have some kind of representation that's not just like th- that native american or indigenous people are dogs (laughs) well yeah and that's kind of the unfortunate like it just strikes to me i think it comes from like a place of ignorance oh definitely not not, not to excuse it but no definitely you know the idea she she didn't take it upon herself to like well what actually is quaalude culture Mm -hmm. she you know created this whole whole cloth fictional thing but then also didn't take a step back and be like hmm the only native people in this story like jacob is like possessive <laughs> and ag- aggressive and not in control of his emotions and his dad's like, an like enabler said, like, like- <laughs> yeah and like uh yeah like sam scarred his partner yeah. and she just has to like live with it and it's like kind of it's just part of being a a werewolf yeah there's an othering that mm-hmm. that the fact that she never took a step back and was like oh this is kind of weird it says a lot about perspective and privilege of that perspective. Yeah. You know? And like in and and that aside, I think there is very much a separation between what I love about this series and and enjoy about it versus what is actually problematic. And it's like I think both can be true. Right. Like it is there are things about this that are not great, but mm-hmm. damn does mm-hmm. it entertain me in a way that I love and that, that feels nostalgic as well. Yeah. So the stunt of because like so Laurent is like I'm going to eat you, Bella. Oh, yeah. I'm a bad guy again, <laughs> and then we get that iconic where Jacob. So what Taylor Lautner had to do was he was on that wire that grabs you from your groin, and he had to be pulled into the air and strike a pose in midair while jumping over Kristen Stewart to show the stunt people or the CG people like now I'm a wolf, <laughs> and so like just the and they were the stunt people were like yeah he fucking nailed it yeah like he did the jump and got pulled and did the pose and landed wow. like every time yeah he he i mean and honestly the cgi and like the special effects on this on this movie and the series have aged pretty well like the the waltz were were well done um i feel like yeah. enough for for what these uh, yeah. movies are yeah i think i think the budget gets in the way of the wire work in the first movie yeah but Definitely. After that, I think it's it's well. They also better, and we'll get to it when we get to Italy. But they completely do a whole new fighting style mm-hmm. in the second one, mm-hmm. and kind of pretty much throw out the like the wire foo that Andy Chang did for Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laurent's like little fight scene was actually uh, Eddie Gathagi's idea. Oh, he was like, I think Laurent would put up a fight. I think he would like. Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah, valid. Like, cool. He is a, a vampire. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I like his costume upgrade. Uh, yeah, that yeah. too. 
Yeah. He is genuinely like one of the sickest looking vampires. Like he he is like the one that you're like, hell yeah. Like if I could look like that, I'd be a vampire. He, kinda, he has the most like Anne Rice vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's a there's a gone too uh, soon. R.I.P. pouring out for my boy. Yeah. There's right. a there's a general <laughs> vibe going on of like Thanos is coming, but they're talking about Victoria. <laughs> they're like, Victoria's coming. I don't mm-hmm. it's it's she, gonna happen. She's coming. We keep chasing her back to Canada every night because as you know, wolves cannot cross the Canadian border. But it's part of the treaty. It's part of the treaty. But we do chase her to the border. There are definitely um, no indigenous people in Canada, therefore we cannot cross the border. We will burn. <laughs> yes. Right. There's no Athabascan werewolves, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous. We are strictly uh, American. I, uh, <laughs> werewolves are only American. Uh, yeah. So, like, oh, oh there, there's been like killings, mm-hmm. and right, like, right, 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 right. Who is, who it? is it, it? It's these giant yeah. bears. Charlie, be careful. Yeah. You, you don't know what's out there. Yeah, she briefly thinks it's one of the wolves. Right. Right. Well, she and learns about like, him, no. and she's like, <laughs> Charlie. But then, yeah, it's Victoria who is still not over Alice ripping James's head right. off. Right. I also love, well, well, yeah, what? like, when she goes and um, I don't know if it's Harry or I think it's Harry who's like, Bella, are you sure that is what you saw? He's like, Yeah, <laughs> Bella, are you, are you sure you want to open this box because you got a lot to explain, baby girl? Are you sure? <laughs> sure, it wasn't a, a cloud, just or a blo- weather balloon. <laughs> you know, I, I. So the actress who's currently playing Victoria in this movie in the first Twilight, I totally buy that she would date that guy Mm -hmm. and would be really into that guy and Mm -hmm. would want revenge for that guy getting killed. Mm -hmm. Never in a million years do I believe that Bryce Dallas Howard was dating that guy. No, no. It's it's a big sore spot for me. Yeah, I, it was a big sore spot for yeah, pretty much everyone. That was like one thing where pretty much everyone scratched their head about. It was like yeah. why and what a, and and I truly feel for that the actor who um, played Victoria because like there was literally no reason she was doing no. a fantastic job. She looked the part. I completely believed everything she was doing with sincerity, and it's like the cast change just kind of brought an unfortunate silliness to Bryce Dallas Howard's performance. Cause I just never really quite believed it in the clips because I was like, mm-hmm. all I could think about was that it, they had changed it. Yeah. Not for sure. Um, I, I hope to, I don't know. We'll find out kind of what, what happened specifically what happened, but yeah, no, because that thing about Rochelle LaVerve is like, so, she knows what's coming and she's so excited I to get know. to do that. Yeah. And even in the behind yeah. the scenes stuff, she's like, oh, you know, it's been so great to be back. And, you know, you just like, it just really bums me out. But yeah, uh, her stunt team like made Team Victoria shirts. Oh, I love that. So, anyway. uh, so the scene where but the scene where Harry Clearwater is like, shut up, <laughs> to Bella, that, that really struck me because like. Her, uh, uh, Charlie is right there. Yeah, literally he's in the room. He's kind of like the anti Hank Schrader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where like this whole st- all this werewolf vampire stuff has been happening around him his whole life, and he's never once been curious. About it, it is a beautiful simplicity to Charlie Swan, to be honest. To to yeah. to live in his world so much 
that he can selectively choose not to notice as sheriff <laughs> the oddities of his own town where nothing happens of- ever. Yeah. <laughs> and at least two of his close friends are werewolves. Yes. And I love that, like, they, they kind of protect him, too. I love this, like, kind of, yeah, they kind of companionship that they all have of, like, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't really notice, but we love him anyways. Yeah, he's, like, there, like, MJ or Ned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Justice for Charlie. <laughs> um, Bella Cliff dives shortly after this. Yeah. So that is, like, a very, like, layered effect where you have a stunt, a real, a stunt person physically jumping 70 feet mm-hmm. into like a giant pillow outside, you know, like a giant inflatable thing. Yeah. And then like greens, like shooting a real exterior and then shoot like green screen and then compositing all of them together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was a big, like, wow, that would not have happened in the first yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Or, or would it like, cause Catherine Hardwick was so committed to shooting real locations and real places even to like the, you know, even despite the weather and stuff like that, yeah. w- would she have conceded if she had been given the chance to direct this or would it have been like, no, we're really shooting this. And like, it increases the budget and the schedule and all that. And we'll never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it was interesting to think about. Her jump sure. scares me every single time because she does not jump. She, <laughs> she literally just kind of like steps off like like just steps off the cliff like there is no jump and I, every single time it scares me i'm like oh my god she is going to hit something on the way down she did not even try to get away from the edge <laughs> no and uh that's really kristen stewart in like a big wave pool getting like bashed around. yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was cool um, and but- she's uh, she's under there. She's hallucinating Edward a little bit, and then sees Victoria swimming toward her, and then she or backs so up she real thinks. quick and knocks herself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that is like one kind of fun thing about this moment is like you don't really know what if what she is seeing is real or her imagination. Because yeah. it's like you see red hair, but it's like is Victoria really there, or is she just scared because she heard that they chased her to Canada? Right. I do love the idea that it was really was Victoria and like Bella like freaked out and hit her head and Victoria oh, was just Bella, like, you, <laughs> you klutz, this isn't even fun. Yeah. She really is the clumsiest girl in four. Uh, anyway, I'll be back later. This is just sad. And yeah, she's like, leaves. this isn't worth it. I'll come back when, yeah. you, when you're actually worth pursuing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she wakes up and, and Jacob's there taking care of her and Alice is there. She shows up because she's like, I saw a premonition that you killed yourself. And she's like, no, I was just cliff diving. And she's like, oh. And <laughs> The movie immediately sparks back to yes. life when... Yeah, it really kind of like... Because uh, one thing, too, that we haven't really touched on is, like, Bella's letters to Alice, her emails to Alice. Right. <laughs> and yes. she's, like, using Alice as her own personal journal. And Alice never once thinks to be like, hey, girl, like, I'm with Edward. Like, he... <laughs> he you're not seeing him <laughs> and also i care about you maybe like go outside and and talk to other people but she like cares enough to when she thinks she's gonna die to return like it's so easy she gets there mm-hmm. so fast from italy how are you not dead yeah, yeah. i saw you jump and, I was and like, then edward crap. calls because he hears that bella got hurt and we kind of get the big uh jacob's big big scumbag mm-hmm. yep yeah you yep. know so, okay, so Harry Clearwater had a heart attack. Oh, right, yeah. Right. 
and and so uh edward calls and he goes and jacob's like oh no he calls for asking for charlie right yeah and he's like he can't he's busy he's planning a funeral hangs up uh edward smushes his phone in his bare hands and uh and and uh bella's like who who was that and jacob's like oh oh and then Alice immediately knows what happened because she's Alice. And yeah, like this is kind of it's 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 kind of beautiful because Jacob kind of runs the sword through himself because it was his selfishness and his right. pettiness was what really drove Bella away from him. I think probably. right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though he doesn't take the point in the next one, um, right, right. Uh, but yeah, the Alice is like, Hey, we got to go to Tuscany because like, he's totally going to kill himself. Uh, yeah, he's begging to be killed right now. <laughs> it is very, very specifically, uh, mentioned in the book that Alice is driving like a Lamborghini through the, through the countryside of Italy to get there at a hundred miles mm-hmm. per hour. Something yeah. about cars is like very important in the books for no reason. Like it's, it's, it gets very specific every time a character has to drive a car. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember being happy though, to see the yellow Lamborghini on the big screen? I do. Yeah. I remember being <laughs> like, yeah, they do care. <laughs> uh so yeah they really did shoot uh exterior so they wrapped in vancouver and then they went to tuscany and really did shoot in in this this old city uh montalpulciano and uh real twilight extras were used or real twilight fans were used as extras yeah because uh every twilight fan in continental europe descended upon tuscany to try and get a glimpse of the cast Mm -hmm. Yeah, I and, heard uh, the movie I, it had was also like 700 oh, extras which like in a post-covid world in how right. it, like how would you do that before right. covid and it's like mm-hmm. with covid I'm like no no <laughs> <laughs> no I'm a real I'm a really I really just love it's like in bad boys 2 when they go to Cuba at the very end where like all of a sudden we're in Italy and there's like these beautiful italian vistas and there's like all these people in red robes and it's such a diff- completely different visual palette than we've gotten so far mm-hmm. i do think um, too it's like uh, speaking of somebody who was raised catholic i find it very mm-hmm. interesting that like there is sort of almost like this um this like pope level uh of like uh, cer- yeah. uh of attention pomp and yeah like pomp yeah. and circumstance of like the volturi having this like uh, set location like there is a whole festival it is like a secluded part of italy etc 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 so it is very interesting to me um like the religious the again like the vaguely religious aspects of it but also i don't mm-hmm. think mormonism like re- recognizes any of that so it's just like kind of i don't know i'm i'm, I'm ignorant about the mormon beliefs right. but um outside of book of mormon but like i don't think they really <laughs> believe in the pope or or anything like that so it's like kind of interesting again like her taking certain cultural aspects um mm-hmm to mm-hmm. use for her vampire story but i'm not opposed to it I, I i don't care but it's just like again i i do like you know everybody can appreciate the catholics are are, are messed up they're a messed up people but damn <laughs> do they know how to make things look nice mm-hmm. <laughs> scott what do you think about this sector of the twilight verse the the Volteri stuff the italy stuff um i think it's really interesting um i i 
I, I'm excited to learn more. I know we get a little bit more in Eclipse, but I know that like the, the, like the meat of it is in the Breaking Dawn movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to like learning more about this mythology and everything, but I find it interesting. I love, um, I love a, a, a fictional people that have like, like they must have an office somewhere and there, <laughs> yeah. there must be paperwork and like, there's people who work in the office. There's a receptionist. Like they have receptionists. I love that shit. Like I just think that that's the funnest, yes, wackiest shit. And so I, I, I'm really into it. Genuinely, what I love so, about uh, a, a similarly a similarly unique perspective on vampires, which is what we do in the shadows, the yes. TV show, I think that takes that to the extreme, and that's what I yes. love about that series. And there is hints of that because, like the um, there is the scene where that woman is leading all the tourists through yes. the Volturi's um, sanctum to get a view right of the beautiful sights, knowing that she is leading them to slaughter. And if I remember correctly. Directly in the books, that's actually a human. So their like front desk girl is a normal person who just like right. does this and promises of being turned into a vampire. And and right. if I remember correctly, they they just go through receptionists promising them until basically yes. it's their turn to be killed. So it's like yeah. how fun! What a great what <laughs> which a great... is basically kind of what the which is kind of what the rules are and what we do in the shadows, right. which is like these gullible humans, right? The think they're going to get turned. Yeah. Yeah, the familiars. Right. Um yeah, it's great. So something I wanted to point out is so we we meet the Volteri, mm-hmm. uh the center of which of course is Arrow played by Michael Sheen. Oh, oh hell yeah. And- another great person who understood the assignment. It's like yes. he knows what he is doing and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so Nina, you you watch the behind the scenes stuff. Are you familiar with uh, a Twilight contest winner? Kai Wildermuth. You know, um, I didn't get a chance to finish it, so uh, my my memory is okay. hazy. But um, the, you're ringing so, a bell. So, um, in the behind the scenes stuff, they highlighted that. that so, the, I think it's in the flashback. There's a part where a boy puts on Arrow's cape for mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is played by contest winner Kai Wildermuth, <laughs> who recorded a, a, a hip a rapping video of him rapping why he's the biggest twilight fan <laughs> God. and so like they interviewed him he's like yeah i just love the twilight movies and they were gonna use me he was gonna be an extra in the 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 town scene but they filmed that a day later so they were like <laughs> what if you put on michael sheen's cape he was like i got to meet michael sheen and i got to put on his cape and <laughs> He he doesn't have any lines, so I get to believe in my head canon that that is who his his character is in the movie. <laughs> He's like, "Here's your cape, Mister A." <laughs> yes, thank you, Kai. Uh, and like, incredible. I hope his name is still Kai in the Twilight. Yeah. It's very fitting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there's a part where he's like he get he got to meet Robert Pattinson. He's like, dude, like no lie, just like just like 100 percent, like you you saved my life, like no doubt you saved my life. Robert Pattinson's like, great, <laughs> cool. God, <laughs> like I just love Robert Pattinson. Like I just love like I just know that man is riddled with anxiety about how to respond to these. <laughs> things like like (laughs) when someone tells you that you saved their life how what do you say yeah (laughs) yeah what do you say it's like um um, thank you (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, what, what am I, what do you expect me to say to that? Like, why, why would you tell me that? What, what am I supposed to do with this information now? <laughs> yeah. It's like, he, he just like, he has to go to bed and just like continue. Li- he has to go to Ralph's. Oh. Like, <laughs> you know, like he's got to like go in. Trader, tra- yeah, yeah, no, Trader Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's a, tra- yeah, he's a Trader Joe's <laughs> energy. <laughs> and he has to think about pork poor Kai who who at the mm-hmm. deepest darkest yeah. moments of his life would he was with he was considering what something drastic <laughs> he thought of Ed, mm-hmm. Edward Jump, jumping Cullen. off a cliff <laughs> he thought of Edward Cullen and Robert Pattinson's portrayal and thought no homo but I'm gonna live yeah. for that <laughs> I gotta see how this ends I gotta see how this wraps up um but yeah, like you're right though. Michael Sheen like completely steals the show and really owns the last like 20 minutes of this. It's such a weird gear shift. It is. Yeah. It's so much set up really for, for That's everything a- else. And like such a weird tone shift of like, we have spent mm-hmm. this entire movie in sort of like depression. And then it's like, <laughs> let boom. boom. Here's big set. Yeah. Here's, here's our, our nemesis, our, our, our villains. So Arrow's like, it, this really interests me. So like, he's going to kill them both be- just because. But the Voltaire, the Volteri are so kind of enticed and curious by just the concept of Bella and Edward. Like, wait, so you, you're in love, but he's a vampire. Like, that's what, like one of the Volteri had a human love, apparently. Mm-hmm. Like the, the really mopey mm-hmm. one, the one that isn't Jamie Campbell Bowder. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, yeah. So I don't know. The idea of the villains kind of letting the heroes go a little further because they're enticed by them is I thought that was a pretty cool. Yeah, concept. they're totally bored. They're totally bored. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? Let's see how this plays out. And I think, too, happens, it's yeah. like, it, again, important to note that Arrow can't use his powers on Bella. So that entices right. him as well cuz he's like, "Ooh, a challenge. I haven't, you know, like met one of these in a minute." And then he knows that Edward can't read her thoughts. And so he's just mm-hmm. kind of like, he's like, mm, "My own little my own little piece of theater." He's like, "Let's see." She has no thoughts, like you yeah, said. Yeah, she her has head her head is empty. And he's like, "I you know what? There's I want to see. I want to see how this plays out." He's yeah. like, "Uh, we're just going to leave you. You know, here's a just a little slap on the wrist." <laughs> Oh, Scott, we get a lot more power stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more. Um, uh, something we haven't talked about yet is uh, is is Miss Dakota herself. Mm-hmm. Right. Big deal. Jane, Dakota Fanning. Very yes. big deal during um, that time. Dakota Fanning, uh, notably... Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm probably gonna steal this story from you, Nick. But it's, it's, it's actually, uh, I have a personal connection to it currently. Um, Dakota Fanning, massive Twilight fan. Basically went to her agent and was like, you have to get me a role in this movie. Oh, I don't really? care what it is. I don't care what it is. I need to be in this movie. I love Twilight more than anything. That agency that did that is the agency I currently work for. No way. And we, have, we have a new moon poster up in our lobby signed by Dakota Fanning that just says, thank you so much for getting me in this movie. Like, oh, my it's just God. Like, yeah. So like. Uh, she was so excited to be in this. I, you know, that makes and, a lot of no, sense because she had like kind of taken a step back from acting and everybody mm-hmm. was kind of like, why Dakota Fanning? But like, okay, why not? You know, she looks, she was a little, she had like kind of grown up in, in private and like kind of came back with, with New Moon and everyone was like, I mean, I, we're not mad about it. And, mm-hmm. um, 
but it was like kind of strange for her to be in such a small role. But I mean, we knew it would be bigger later on. But like, yeah, th- I love that. I love that for her. Yeah. Yeah. And she she really I, I think at the time, especially back then, it was like, wow, she's playing this like very like like uh, sociopathic cold character. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my it, like, favorite yeah. GIF to use in in mm-hmm. life ever is the one of her throwing a baby into fire from I think Breaking Dawn Part One, and so okay. that I send that all yeah, that the time. To, yeah, I send that to people constantly, and it it makes me laugh every time. Um, they say behind the scenes they wanted her to have like praying mantis eyes. Uh huh. I think that's really accurate. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Jane's a really interesting. She's like this like lieutenant that's trying to like get more power and make an impression. I would it's watch. I, imagine, I would watch something from her perspective for sure. Yeah, it's what yeah. I imagine. Uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character from Interview of the Vampire would have yeah. become had yeah. she survived. Join join the mafia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have also have loved like, to see her like take over the Volturi in a way. Like, I would just love to see her rise to power because, like, there is kind of this um, sort of subtext that she's more powerful than Arrow. But, like, he basically keeps her in check. Mm-hmm. Like, he's gotten over thousands of years. He's just, his his talents have gone so deep that he just is the head of the, the Volterra. Yeah, and then there's her twin Even brother those... who basically does nothing. He's just there. <laughs> uh, yeah, fellow fellow Runaways uh, co-star to go to Fanning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't even thinking um, about that. Uh, originally, oh, shit. You know what I forgot, Scott, that I really wanted to bring up? Uh, so real quick, so Melissa Rosenberg ori- originally wrote like a battle royale where Edward fights like a bunch of Volteri and then they scaled it down. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, so Melissa Rosenberg wrote the script of this from June to October of 2008 mm-hmm. while simultaneously working as executive producer and head writer for the series Dexter. Ooh. Yeah. So she was show running dexter during the week and writing new moon on weekdays that makes a lot of sense or on, on weekends that makes a lot of sense yeah. this, the, for dexter or for this no for both it makes a lot of sense okay. because you know it, it makes a lot of sense her being showrunner of dexter and also writing these movies and also becoming the showrunner of jessica jones like oh she okay. did do jessica jones yeah and i all love of this, jessica jones it it all feels like they all feel tonally similar, especially if one you, body of work. Yeah, yeah, if you're familiar with her seasons of Dexter, it feels very tonally similar with with Twilight and with yeah. Jessica Jones. So yeah. I haven't I haven't watched Dexter. I've been told great things, but uh, I'd be curious now to watch it just because I do enjoy I enjoy her. I enjoy her tone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. I just think the ending of this movie is really because this is kind of the climax of the movie is Arrow deciding like we're going to let this play out, but we're watching you. And then we're back in forks. It is a little anticlimactic. It's just very much a setup for Eclipse. They're like, Mm -hmm. okay, everything. And and in this episode, everything kind of ended. And and the reason that, and the reason that they're like, we're going to see how this plays out is Alice saying like, hey, she's going to become a vampire. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And I'll show you. She shows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. This is interesting. I don't know if this is ever talked about, but it is interesting to me that Alice can see the future with Bella in it. She's the only one whose powers are not affected by Bella. 
Right. Mm. Well, 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 because she mentioned not being able to see stuff back at the house, but she attributed that to Jacob's dog stank. Uh-huh. Right. Well, because, yeah, she basically can't see anything that has to do with, like, the reservation. Like, anything that happens on the reservation, is it's basically like a giant blank spot because of the protection of of the tribe essentially Mm. like these boundaries that were created in the agreement between the quaaludes and 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 the cullens Cullens. (laughs) but that is an interesting um, point i never really thought about yeah the the quaalute cousin the quaalute cullen feud to me, it kind of became a lot less gross when I started thinking of it more in terms of like Montagues and Capulets. Mm. Um, of like maybe that's what they were trying to go for because yeah, like the kind of like the weird like reverse racism that the Quaaludes have. Like oh, those those Cullens, we hate all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're kind of closed minded about it if you think about it. Oh, maybe we can have a lesson to learn. And it's like this is fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so anyway, so they're all back and forks. And the family yeah. takes a vote on whether or not they're going to allow Bella to be turned. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, because we haven't brought up Rosalie all episode. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that her first kind act towards Bella is voting no. Yeah. It, it's like, I'm going to vote no because I don't want you to live this. I wish someone had voted no for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Rosalie really is so much more of an interesting character than than the series allows her to be. And I think that is just a byproduct of the book, unfortunately, but like she is a she is fascinating and I love her backstory. And um but yeah, it is like really the first kind thing um that she does and and it's within reason. Like in the way that Jacob is such a dick. Uh-huh. With absolutely no reason other than his own selfishness, Rosalie like kind of has a reason and to be rude, and and then even in this moment, this turning point for Bella, like has enough compassion that while it is somewhat selfishly motivated, it is selfish on behalf of someone else's like nature. So it's like still not selfish in a way mm-hmm. of her to be like, I, yeah, I wish somebody had cared enough to step in for me and stop this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that for you because it's what I believe. And it's like, that's kind of beautiful, sure. even if, yeah. Y- and I, yeah, it doesn't get an, as much attention as I think it should. And then immediately her husband's like, fuck that shit. You're going to be a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) True frat bro. Fashion. He's like, he's like, pick up hug. Pick up hug. Hell yeah. Rush Cullen Theta Epsilon. (laughs) Don't listen to my bummer of a wife. (laughs) Rusty's just like, God. (laughs) I was gonna say like, oh, you know, when they like went to bed that night, it was like super awkward. But, like, no, they don't sleep. They don't right. sleep. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, so then they're uh, Edward and Bella are driving home, and Bella's like so excited about like, when am I gonna be a vampire, and like, how is this gonna be, and how is that gonna be, and blah, blah, blah. and he's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then Jacob just like shows up in the middle of the road, and was like, you know what? Fuck you both. And they're like, okay, cool. And then, and then Edward's like, Edward tries to, Edward tries to be like, hey, yeah, thank you. Yeah, right. And Jacob's like, fucking like, whatever, man. Whatever. Yeah. 14. <laughs> like, again, like Edward trying to be like somewhat 
adult because he's 109 yeah. right he's like he's like i've lived long enough to recognize that what i did was stupid right mm-hmm. but thank um, you and, th- and then she's like you have i have one condition for this whole vampire thing and she's like name it and he's like marry me and that's how you end that's how you end a fucking twilight movie i'll give you that <laughs> an intake of breath and then cut to yeah yeah there is nothing worse than marriage <laughs> what i love about her reaction to it is that it's like you're you so you're fine with becoming a vampire and being with him forever but you draw the line at marriage like she is a child what? of divorce scott how dare you <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Uh, uh, Nina, do you remember this being a big moment in the theater, this ending? Not really, because everybody kind of knew. We all knew since Eclipse was coming out. Like, all of us were just kind of like, uh-huh, like, gotcha. And we're like, we didn't know where, you know, we didn't know exactly how it was going to end. But all of us were like, ha, 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 that, that was so funny because we all know how this ends. So those who those right. who were friend, like fans of the books, we were like, okay, Um but right. I'm sure it upset because Breaking Dawn was already yeah. Out. But I'm sure it upset people who had just watched the movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, God, yeah. Jacob just really like just limps off. He yeah, does. he's literally just like he's just like Aww. grumble, grumble, my dad. It's like sack him, frack him, frack him, Just like muttering to himself. Yeah. <laughs> there he goes. The the second male lead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's incredible. We'll, see. Yeah. well I kind of remember Eclipse being a lot of wheels spinning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but I'm excited to see like certain characters get their backstory stuff, such as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, like I I've, I don't remember this one as much as New Moon. I just feel like this one is such a strong visual aesthetic and such a cool like autumn winter vibe mm-hmm. that it re- leaves an impression. Yeah, I really uh, like. I don't remember Eclipse very much. I think I confuse a lot of Eclipse and Breaking Dawn because they are mm-hmm. similar in both color palette and tone. And then also so much of Eclipse is set up for Breaking Dawn. So it's like I, I, I couldn't tell you without rewatching it again, even though I've seen them a million times. Um, and that is the other problem with seeing them so much is that I just I start to the lines blur of when things happen. But yeah, yeah. you remember moments for sure. That's- Scott, closing thoughts on New Moon. Uh, solid. It's it's yep. it's what you want out of a Twilight movie. It I feel really like. is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Nina, closing thoughts on New Moon and the franchise in general. You know, it will forever hold a special place in my heart, and I'm so glad others are coming to appreciate it for what it is and isn't. And mm-hmm. like in my deepest, darkest moments, I I will hear the whisperings of Bella. Where the hell have you been, Boca? <laughs> Bella. 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 <laughs> and that's all I need. Well, Nina, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been so much yeah, fun. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited for this journey that you guys are on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, so we're, we're coming back next week with Eclipse. Looking forward to that. But in the meantime, uh, just keep an eye on the feeds. We've got a lot of stuff going on at Dueling Genre. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.